This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. We are certainly into the dog days of summer. MLB All-Star Game yesterday, and this is traditionally one of the slowest days on the sports calendar. But um, always fun in this line of work to take advantage of lighter days as far as games go to uh, kick around some fun all-time topics. And we're going to get into a little bit of uh, discussion on the all-time Jets 2.0 team coming up in a few minutes. But um, we do, uh, well, obviously, we had the All-Star game last night. NL finally getting a win for the first time in, what, 10 years? And uh, some uh, obviously a big week for the Blue Jays with Vlad Guerrero Jr. winning the home run derby. Um, but I got to tell you, I mean, the big story in and around Winnipeg was the Sea Bears coast to coast on TSN last night lost a heartbreaker to the Rattlers from uh, Saskatchewan but I'll tell you what um I mean the big story to me is just how successful this team has been uh and I don't want to say I told you so but I kind of did there was a lot of people that wondered how this would go over this market was ready for a professional basketball team and um the crowds are a lot different you'll see at the hockey games but I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it has been a, a, a smashing success despite the loss last night, which could have clinched a spot in the tournament, in the uh, championship tournament at the end of the season for the Seabears. They'll have another chance to do that Friday and Sunday as they continue their homestand out at Canada Life Centre. We'll get to all of that in a minute. Um, coming up today, we're actually going to head out to Ottawa. Talk a little, you know, the Sens are an interesting team and there's many comparisons you can make to Winnipeg being in the smallest Canadian markets um, and, you know, particular challenges that, you know, the Ottawa Senators face when it comes to recruiting players as well as the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, they just made a big trade with Alex Dabrinkat. They've got a new owner. We'll kind of compare Jets and Sens and find out a little bit more about what's happening in Ottawa with one of our favorite guys to talk to, Ian Mendez of The Athletic. Uh, a little more on the Jets and the Bombers, from a, and maybe even the Sea Bears too, with our pal Scott Billick uh, a little later on. And then in the second hour of the program, we will welcome in the Bomber Bulldozer himself, Brady Oliveira, as the Bombers get ready for the Ottawa Red Blacks coming up on Saturday afternoon. Just before we bring in Michael Rivas, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who kicked off their six game stretch against Cleburne with a win last night, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course our friends at Little Brown Jug. Let's get down to business. Welcome to everyone together in the chat room right now. And of course, everyone listening on podcast and welcome you, Michael Remus. What is up? Us, I'm just uh, in awe of these attendance numbers for the Seabears. Yesterday on national television, 5430 fans at Canada Life Center. Second largest crowd of the arena. The opener, they really opened it up. 
But the av- their average this season has 49.86 fans. Absolutely incredible. I think that's their average smashes the record, uh, you know, record of uh, league attendance, you know, coming into the year. But the uh, fans have come out for the Sea Bears. You saw it on TSN yesterday. They're engaged, they're standing, uh, they're cheering. There's a lot of inter- entertainment, uh, you know, outside of the play as well. Um, loving the Sea Bears. And you tried to, what, clinch a playoff spot yesterday. We're not able to. And every game ends with a. <laughs> A game-winning shot, and it was Justin Wright Foreman hitting from three uh, oh, for the Rattlers. That was such a dagger. That was such a dagger. And I know people that have been, uh, you know, listening to the show know I've been quite under the weather this week. So I've essentially been doing the show and being in bed and sleeping like fifteen hours a day. Um, <laughs> so I didn't make it to the arena last night, but it was I was so fired up that the game was on television. And the Seabears went into the fourth quarter tied at 76 and gave up the first 10 points. And there was a timeout with, I want to say, about six and a half minutes left. So two and a half minutes until the target score. By the way, how cool is it to have the Swirsk, Chuck Swirsky doing the game as well? And I'm not sure who it was that was doing the uh, color for him, but he did, but did a very good job of saying that this is sort of like a two-minute and 30-second game to get to the target score for the Seabears. And they ended up rattling off eight in a row. So they were down only two, I believe, when it went to, uh, when it you know got past four minutes. They turned the clock off. It was first team to, uh, to 97. And, man, they had a couple threes that would have won the game. The Clank, they played some great defense and got a couple more opportunities. And um, I listen, I really think they, at, at the end of the game, it was tied at 96. So the next basket won. And uh, as you mentioned, the guy from Saskatchewan uh, launched a bit of a prayer, I thought. But it went and uh, and it went, went down. But I mean, just an amazing atmosphere. It looked so good for our city, for the organization to have that sort of crowd. And as I said, right from game one of this season, the Seabears have raised the bar for the CEBL. Uh, I think they are the model franchise right now. And uh, and it's great. And I know after that first game, I made a statement on this program that I think the Seabear, of course, the prior record for attendance in the CEBL for any game before this season was 4,400. And after the way this city embraced the home opener, I said on this program that I think they will finish with an average attendance above the prior record. And I think that's looking pretty good right now with another 5,400. I think they'll get a great crowd on Friday, Sunday afternoon, and then two weeks until the final game. Um, But overall, I know people probably haven't been living and dying with everything going on and around the league. This is growing. This is getting more and more people involved. It has been a huge hit in the city of Winnipeg. And then when you see the broadcast on TSN, um, the fact of the matter is, the one thing I don't think we were sure of was how good the team would be. And despite last night's loss, they've been very, very entertaining, getting wins right now. And I think it's a pretty good chance that we'll be talking about Seabears going for a championship in a few weeks out in BC. Yeah, I, I really like how they've structured this uh, in the summer so you can bring in players from you know a number of other teams who play you know during the, I guess, traditional winter basketball months. Um, so that's good. You know, short schedule, you know, 20 games, 10 home games, 10 road. 
uh, every game on TSN Plus with uh, you know weekly highlighted national game. This is working out great here in in Winnipeg. I can't speak so much for other cities, but the team has definitely been embraced and uh, love seeing that great crowd. Uh, you know, great crowd yesterday. And you have to think with you know Winnipeg showing up so much for the Sea Bears, there's probably going to be more of these national games uh, going forward at least into next year. So I'm curious to see how, you know, how they roll into year two, but we got to finish year one. They're trying to get a playoff spot and maybe even, you know, could they take down a league title in, in year one? Well, they got to get to the playoffs first, but they're on their way. Well, and uh, Teddy buckets was uh, on Fuego last night. I think he finished with 36 and almost with 39 on a basket that would have won the game. Um, and you know what? It's interesting. I see some comments in that you know Winnipeggers will you know slap Winnipeg on a jersey and they'll support anything, with the exception of soccer. Don't sleep on Valor FC. Valor actually has had some good crowds this year. They had over four thousand recently at a game, and I know and we all know Taylor, who's uh, been a longtime regular in our chat. She's one of the rowdies in the trench. They have moved the trench now to right behind the net. Basically, where you would see the crazies at the bomber games, um, and they're having the smoke bombs and stuff now. I mean, they're working more and more towards creating that soccer atmosphere that I think you really have to go out and give it a chance and be a part of it to see it. But I've got optimism for soccer across Canada, and obviously, we're going to be talking some soccer in a couple of weeks when our Canadian women head down under to participate in the World Cup. One other comment from chat. And uh, our buddy, all caps, Kyle, dropped this one in. He said, I've been MAA since Thursday's show. What are all your feelings about this cashless crap at MTS Center? Well, Kyle, it is Canada Life Center. But I saw that yesterday, Remo. And uh, apparently, Canada Life Center now is a cashless building. No more. All this? Useless now. Yeah. Whatever happened to good old-fashioned Canadian currency? Cash is I hate dead. this trend. Can I just say this? I absolutely hate this trend. Cash is dead, Huss. Just another long list of things that have been killed in 2023. Um, if you have cash, you can go to the, and you need to spend it, you can go to their, what, guest services, and they'll sell you a Visa gift card. I mean, that's what it is. I'll say, I, I'll say this. The one, you know I was on, was it this show or another sh where the Bombers, IG Field, has been cashless for a number of years. And I said, it's better, it's quicker. So well, it was stupid. so slow at the beginning. You said it's quicker? Well, you think it's if, quicker? If it's done correctly, yeah. But I remember on the I remember when the Bombers started out cashless, Huss, their POS systems were not set up to their debit machines. So you had to punch in the number. If you just have it hooked up to one machine, yeah, you just tap your thing and you're done. In two seconds, they put the amount on the machine. That's that's no, what I think. Every single, every single, listen, I, I'm going to say this, and Wade's done everything right. So, I mean, listen, I mean, if you end up going 17 and one, it's still a pretty good season, but I still maintain this is a huge fail. I mean, over the course of the last two years at Bomber Games, first of all, there's been horrible weather at times where the machines didn't work. I mean, there's a ton of people trying to buy drinks and buy stuff. And uh, there was no option. So, like, I have no idea. I tried. I had some conversation with friends as to how much sales just were lost in that one incident that would make it worthwhile. I mean, I guess it's cleaner. You don't have to 
count the money at the end. Um, but, uh, but I mean, as far as it being faster, there is zero chance it's faster. I mean, I bought a couple beers at the game last week. You're there, you get your card, you have to put in, you get a tip prompt on every single, on every single transaction, which is fine. And I guess that does, I mean, because it, it does suck for the, uh, I mean, it's so easy. You know, if something's, you know, nine bucks, you give them 10 bucks, thanks a lot, boom, you're done. And a dollar goes there. Um, but there's a people that feel like they're being forced into tipping on everything. Might rub some people the wrong way. Uh, uh, th there must be some major, major benefits to the organizations behind the scenes with efficiency and I guess not having to cash out at the end because there's zero chance that it is quicker it's certainly not better for the consumer. And I honestly think it costs them sales at the end of the day. So, but I guess that's the world we're living in right now. There's my old man rant for today. Yeah, I didn't, I saw the notice, uh, Canada Life Center putting it on, on Twitter yesterday. I didn't, I don't, didn't really affect me. I didn't care. I don't carry around cash ever. And, um, they tweeted out, Canada Life Center is now cashless. Please note that to reduce touch point and expedite payment, all food and beverage transactions are cashless. Guests are encouraged to use contactless payment for event merchandise. And contactless is what? When you just tap, like, your card or, or you know, I have it on my phone, Apple Pay, so. That's complete bullshit. Every single time you have to touch it, like, three times for what you're tipping and putting that in. Give me a break. <laughs> I, I, that's just that's not your, true. That's your opinion. I haven't. I don't know. Then Kevin Donnelly did well, an interview. Has anyone ever put their tip in touchless? Uh, explain to me how you can do that touchless. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. Thank I, you. I, well, Kevin Donnelly was on. Um, he did an interview with a media. It might have been Global or CGOB or something, and he said that basically every arena in North America is cashless and. The, you know, MTS Center, Canada Life Center has just been behind uh, the trend, and now they're catching up to it. So it's uh, cash is dead, Huss. Radio's dead. I don't cash understand. Is dead. I, linear, listen, linear I asked dead. Kevin, when the Bombers went and did that, I yeah. asked Kevin on a bunch of occasions. I said, wait a second, you're not going to do that as well. He said, well, no, you'll have the option to do both. And to me, the option to do both is certainly in the best interest of the customer. I mean, as they say, you know, for the customer, it's it's worse. I, I don't think there's any argument you can make that, you know, forcing people to do it one way is better for them. There must be some some major, major benefits behind the scenes through efficiencies of the things that we don't see, because as I say, there, I, I, you, I, you will never convince me that Anything is faster by utilizing, um, uh, you know, cards, especially where you're prompted and you have to decide what tip you want and put all that in. I mean, that that's ridiculous. Um, and that's the case at the Bomber Games right now. So, um, as I say, for the at the end of the day, the money will always win out. And if it's something that will help them maybe not pay people as long, because, you know, they don't have to have that extra half hour on their shift when they have to wait around and cash out. Uh, that, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, because as I say, certainly from a process of the of customers, um, as I say, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. There's our why not question of the day for not AutoCorp. 
<laughs> at Waverly and McGilvery. Am I, am I being ridiculous? Is this like, do people care? I guess at this point. Um, and as I say, I'm certainly open for a debate. If anyone can tell me how in the world that can actually expedite anything, I'm all ears. But as I say, from real life experience, more often than not, I, 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 the first year they put this in, I thought that they, the bombers would have probably lost six figures in, um, in concession sales and beer sales because of issues with the machines at times and just the fact that it was taking forever and a lot of people didn't want to wait in the line. Um, they certainly do have a lot. I will give them credit for one thing, though. And if you've ever been around the North End, <laughs> around the Rumhut area, they certainly have enough places to grab a beer if you need. So that is one thing that, uh, that hasn't been. Let's see. You know what the other thing? I mean, is this the end of Hawkers? I don't know how it works, us. Like, think about Hawkers. You know, you'd go in, you'd give your 20. I mean, everyone's been to a game where they're running around. Like, does that even... Anyways, shout out to the Gold Eyes. You can still use cash, and they still have Hawkers there. But now that I think about it, that might be it. I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to, if you're in the middle of a row, throw the debit machine all the way down the aisle and get the guy to do it and then hand it back down. It's better than, than handing around money, man. I remember I went to, uh, I'll never forget, I went to a Twins game at the Metrodome. My only memory of the game is sitting there passing cash back and forth the entire game. I don't remember anything of the game, maybe some of the players. But God, and what a dog shit stadium the Metrodome was! Holy crap, was it was it terrible? So that's that's what I remember uh, from the game. I was never a big a big hawker guy. As maybe you see a guy selling a beer, and you get a, get one from him. You know they're standing on the sidelines, but I was never like, hey, come here, give me uh, a bunch of stuff. That was not my that was not my move. I will say this. I will say this. The Gold Eyes have some of the best hawkers or beer guys. And I think beer guys are more important at baseball games than certainly. I don't even I don't even know if they have them anymore at the hockey games or even the football games. And there's so many spots, as I mentioned at the at Canadians or uh, at IG Field, to be able to uh, to pick up your spot. Um, you can get it. Um, but the uh, the Gold Eyes have a great opera, and I actually try and support those guys because. Um, you know, they're working hard. They're slinging, you know, 30 beers around from section to section. And it's, uh, it is always something good. Speaking of which, on the Goldag game, uh, incredible response on our game coming up. If you've missed it, if you missed a few shows, uh, two weeks today, Wednesday, July 26th, is going to be Winnipeg Sports Talk Night at the Gold Eyes. Um, if you go over to winnipegsportstalk.com, there's a link right there. You can get your tickets. 15 bucks while um, and, and you'll get a free Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie while supplies last because uh, we've already well over 50 tickets. Um, but come one, come all. It'll be a great chance in a real fun atmosphere for everyone to get together and um, maybe meet some friends that you certainly know what their handle is in the YouTube chat, but you've never seen them before. And obviously, there's nothing like a summer night at the ballpark. So join us that night. Um, and Remo, fill them in on uh, the, uh, the the special promo for merch as sure. well, which you can get as well and then uh, pick up at the game. Yeah, so if you were looking to get a WST hoodie, you haven't been able to win the marble race, or you see Hustler and I wearing these beautiful uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk hats, you wanted to get one, 
Uh, use promo code FISH, 25% off uh, with your ticket order. You can get you know discount on a hoodie. We've had some mug orders, hat orders. So shout out to everyone. Was already see Les Thompson in chat. Les, we'll get you hooked up uh, with your ticket and a number of uh, regular chatters that I see every day on, on YouTube have bought tickets. So I'm looking forward to this night. Our first has our first like baseball sporting event outing, baseball hockey, whatever it is, first sporting event outing with WST. I really didn't know how the sales were going to go as a group, but uh, really blown away uh, by the response so far. So this is going to be a fun evening. Hey, am I getting ratioed in the chat right here? I'm not sure how to word the poll. So let's let's take a poll. Like, what are your? I'd be like, how, like, what are your thoughts on cashless transactions? Yay or like, do you care about the cashless about CLC going cashless? Yes or no? I mean, I don't know how to word. You only get two responses, and it's like kind of like a yes or a no thing. It is, it is a tough one. Oh, my God. It's great. This sounds like old CGOB beefs and bouquets. This definitely it definitely is a beef. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> Hustler hates threads and credit cards. Yeah, you need to get on like threads. Credit cards. I posted on threads that Brady Oliveira is coming on, and I wanted to tag you in it, but I can't do that. So you got to get on there. Uh, listen, are you are you really enjoying it? Like, do you think it's even close to as good as Twitter? I don't know. I just check on it like once in a while to see all the all the great follows we're getting. You know, Chad Posthumus followed Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Sea Bears on Twitter. I mean, on uh, on Threads. I was pumped. Lo- love to hear your. I, I, as far as I can tell, people are just doing it just in case it actually works better. But you, I mean, your feed isn't people that you're following, which to me is, and it's not chronological. It's just essentially what. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook wants to feed you. So that to me doesn't sound like a great, uh, a great, uh, great selection. Um, Hey, listen, we are going to go to uh, Ottawa and talk to Ian Mendez in a few minutes. Um, But, and this will be something we can kind of talk about over the next couple days, but we've been putting together the all time Winnipeg Jets 2.0 team. And as we kind of dove into it more, and again, everyone, you know, might have, we can probably do a few versions of this, like maybe the best characters, the best hair. I mean, all of those things. But man, when you look at you know you know performance, um, amount of time guys played on teams, it, it certainly does come out pretty damn close to that 2017-2018 roster ream. Okay, so it's yeah, it's summer, and you know this is like Mount Rushmore season where you're listing off all time this, all time that, and I was listening to Sirius XM and they were talking about all-time teams for some other places. And uh, I was like, well, what about the Jets? And you know, we've never really done it because I think it's just been, it hasn't been long enough. But now that you go and you make an all-time Jets team, basically the 2017-18 uh, team, which is kind of funny. We can you know, show our lists uh, later. But... Um, but I, I was just, I, I, I guess I wasn't that surprised, but it's kind of, then you think, oh, what could have been with this 2017-18 team? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that is for sure. You start, you do think about that a lot more when you do an exercise like this. I mean, I put together first team all time, Jets 2 2011. I mean, the first line, it's pretty clear. It's Connor Shifley-Wheeler. Yeah, that's what I have. Dustin Bufflin. 
and Josh Morrissey. Uh, I put. What do you want to do first? I guess I would put Morrissey yeah, as like all time, but I you know I had Morrissey in my second line, and then put Enstrom with Bufflin because like that's who Bufflin played with. If I'm doing a, a team, but yeah, if you want to do an all star format, then yeah, Morrissey would be up there. Uh, you know what, Enstrom? I know there's a lot. Enstrom is a very polarizing guy in Jets history, and you know, hey, he was a great. He he rode shotgun with Dustin Bufflin, and you know, was very effective. But he, uh, you know, he doesn't stand out. I gave him second team but you know when i look at it there's an argument to be made for some other guys the second team is brian little with patrick line and nikolai ehlers jacob truba on the right side and i gave it to toby enstrom i yep. think more because of how long that he played but you, you know if there's one stat that shocked me about you know when i was going through the numbers of the all-time team from 2011 until now. Toby Enstrom played 401 games, had 137 points, played a ton, played with Dustin Bufflin all that time. Neil Pionk has seven more points than Enstrom in 125 less games. Yeah. Like, does that not surprise you? That does that. Okay, I put together my list too. I had Enstrom on because of you know a lot of it is longevity. He was on you know the he was on that Jets team that made the uh, conference final, uh, and as you said, he played seven seasons here, four hundred one games. Uh, I think part of it has is just seeing points. I think a lot of it is eras now. You're seeing points increase so much than it was in the mid two thousands. Like what year was it that Jamie Ben won the Art Ross? with like 80 points was like 90 90 points yeah but i mean we're not talking about 20 years ago we're talking about you know the last 10 i mean i don't think you can really make the argument that the league is entirely different from since neil peonk got here to when enstrom was here i don't know he won the art ross with 87 points in 2015 what year did toby enstrom play here how many how many how many games uh once that wasn't a shortened season no, that was a that it was like was, a regular eighty-two game season. Yes, yes. Oh, was that McDad was McDavid's rookie year? Where uh, he got hurt? I don't recall. Let me just. It was it eighty-seven been, points yeah, in eighty-two games. Tavares eighty-six and eighty-two. Crosby eighty-four. I mean, scoring was way down. It was way down then. So that's kind of what I think. And that's one thing I've learned from playing so much puck doku. When it's like, name someone with a 50 assist season. Well, it's going to be anyone who played like 92, 93 era. Well, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That is, uh, that is interesting. Um, as I say, listen, I mean, Enstrom, I, as I said, I'm giving it to Enstrom. But, uh, but that, of, of the entire exercise, the thing that stood out to me the most was the points that Neil Pionk has put up. Mm -hmm. I mean, seven more points than Enstrom. Yes. In 125 less games. Anyways, that really did sort of stand uh, stand out to me. I, I mean, I didn't put Neil Pionk on my team, but you're making me rethink when you look at most points, especially among defensemen. I mean, he's got more than any Jets Jets 2.0 defenseman except for Truba, Morrissey, and Bufflin. Yeah. Um, and then there's Pionk, so... Maybe I can well, need to listen, rethink and I things. I think we all agree. Pionk had, he really struggled at times last year mm -hmm. and the year before. 
I mean, listen, when he first came here, he was he was really, really good. And I would argue that, um, you know, as the season went on, he got a lot better last year. Didn't he have seven points in the playoffs too? He had that game, you know, the game three, which, Adam, you know, Adam Lowry uh, had the tying goal. I mean, he was incredible in that game, Neil Pionk. And he was the one who, yeah. you know, shut seven down McDavid. In five games. And he, seven assists in five games. Yeah, so. shut down McDavid oh. in that uh, sweep. Remember when the Jets swept McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the playoffs? The one that nobody saw and nobody nobody remembers. But, uh, yeah, I think I guess that that is the one thing I learned, that maybe we need to rethink Neil Pionk's place in Jets 2.0 history. All right. Um, let's uh, let's get uh, to uh, our pal Ian Mendes. It was great to catch him out in Nashville, and uh, he's always been kind with his time. And kind of figured we'd talk a little bit about the Debrinkat trade. And, of course, Manitoba's own Travis Hamanick staying put with the Sens on a two-year deal. Uh, but just before we get to Ian Mendez, a uh, big shout-out to uh, some of our sponsors, including Modern Man Barbershop. Big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Modern Man Guys has you covered for whatever you need. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, hey, we've got some more heat coming up over the next few days. Great time to get into a pool. Don't have one? Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And hey, with school out for the summer, this is the time of year where uh, you spend time with your kids away from school. And you know who else deserves a big shout out right now? The parents that spend the last 10 months keeping up with busy school and sports schedules for kids. And now for a short time, the schedule slows down and the team at Manitoba Battery wants you all to enjoy the free time. Enjoy the break and unwind however you see fit. And if your summer fun includes anything that might need a battery, let Manitoba Battery look after you with low prices and free delivery anywhere in Winnipeg. Save big money, save time. That's what it's about at Manitoba Battery. They've got summer fun deals going on right now. So when you need, go to manitobabattery.com and let Donnie and his gang help you enjoy this one time a year when you can let life slow down a bit. Um, and hey, by the way, speaking of slowing things down in the summer, if you're looking for a great cocktail to enjoy that downtime, check out Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Uh, maybe you've tried it at a bomber game. Maybe you've seen people getting it. If you haven't had it already, you can pick it up at Manitoba Liquor Marts. You could also get it at your local beer vendor, Maybe when you're thinking about something a little different. It's now available in 473 milliliter cans and available in six packs. And of course, the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club, also available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, let's welcome in our pal Ian Mendez from The Athletic in Ottawa. Ian, what is going on? It was great to see you in Nashville and thanks for jumping on with us today. Ah, oh, Andrew, great to see you guys in, in Nashville. Those in-person 
meetings and visits they're, they're, they're always so good right so like i said to you uh, there in nashville uh love coming on with you guys love the platform everything you've built, built up there in winnipeg so yeah happy uh, happy to join you well, you know, I thought it'd be a great time for us to kind of chat because, I mean, let's face it, is the two smallest markets in Canada, there are a lot of similar challenges between the Winnipeg Jets and the Ottawa Senators. Although I think at their point, I mean, the Jets have sort of come or maybe coming out of a time where they were very competitive and, you know, were still doing their best to stay there. Whereas the Ottawa Senators have had, you know, some lean years, but I think the hope and the pressure is now on Ottawa to uh, to take that next step. Not to mention a new owner. Uh, in the, give us an idea of what things are like around Ottawa and the, maybe the narrative and the feeling of the fan base after missing the playoffs for a few years. Is there a lot of optimism right now, or is it uh, more impatience? Um. Boy, it's a good question. I wonder if there's a word. There's probably like a German word that mixes <laughs> optimism and uh, impatience, right? Like there's some weird German word. Um, I think for the most part, it's optimistic. And I think uh, this week might not be the best litmus test for Ottawa fans. Because you got to remember, Andrew, they just moved Alex Dabrinkit this week, right? And so the feeling is oh, that, that's a, that stings a little bit. The return wasn't great. Uh, so, so, so from that perspective, there's you know a little bit of cynicism dashed in. But I think most people feel like in this market that they're headed in the right direction. That that you know, like two years ago, it didn't feel that way. Last year, it certainly felt like they were starting to get this thing on track. And and now with with the new owner waiting in the wings and Michael Landlauer, you feel like stability is around the corner, that success is around the corner. So I, I I do think for the most part, there's optimism. But again, like I said, this week, probably not the best week because of a little bit of bitterness around the Debrinket situation. Well, you mentioned the Debrinket deal. And this is another reason why I kind of wanted to bring you on today, because I think there's some pretty interesting similarities between the situations that Winnipeg and Ottawa were in with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex Debrinket. And now listen, Dubois taken some heat around here and we've certainly been the beneficiaries of it. That's certainly given us lots to talk about over the last little bit, but in a way it sort of seems like Pierre-Luc Dubois and Pat Brisson did end up doing the Winnipeg Jets a bit of a favor in the fact that it wasn't just the Montreal Canadiens that they would be willing to go to or sign an extension with. And that allowed the Winnipeg Jets to you know, maybe get a better haul coming back from the LA Kings. What went into the Debrinkat trade? And did this really come down to a willing or no willingness to sign with any other team? And obviously he had a big, big number for this year's, uh, this year's um, contract that just put Pierre Dorian in a really, really difficult situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, not a lot of teams, as you know, could just absorb a guy at, you know, at just a hair under 8 million all of a sudden, right? Like you got to do some things. There's some cap gymnastics that have to be undertaken in order to fit in an Alex to in, in the month of July. So I think from that perspective, right away, the market was limited. I think Alex always felt like he wanted to test unrestricted free agency next summer. And, and, and I think in particular, Andrew, I think he wanted to go home. He's a Michigan guy. And so I think he looked at this and said, okay, um, I'm a year out from unrestricted free agency. Look, you could trade me. You, you could trade me to Winnipeg. You could trade me to Columbus. You could trade me to Buffalo. You could trade me to Philadelphia. You could trade me anywhere. But if you're looking for a big return back, well, 
if I'm being blunt, I think I want to go home. And that's where I probably would like to sign next year. So I think at the end of the day, the market wasn't as robust because, and I don't, I don't blame the player. Like, like the player did nothing wrong here. The player uh, never asked to be traded to Ottawa. He never technically asked to be traded away from Ottawa. He just said, look, I'm probably not going to sign with you. You know, deal with it. And, and, and so you're right. I think when the Dubois deal went down with L.A., I think a lot of Ottawa fans said, aha, that's the benchmark for the return, right? Because very similar players in terms of both pending UFAs next summer. They both kind of wanted out, and this was going to be the deal. And, and I mean, Dubois gets a, a longer extension. The Brinkett doesn't. He gets a four-year deal. And I think that was reflected a little bit in the return that uh, that maybe Ottawa got for Alex Brinkett. Yeah, and, and, and I'll be honest. I mean, you know, we've made many comparisons between those situations talking about what was happening in Ottawa and Winnipeg here on this program. And I'll say this, I mean, I think Sheveldayoff and the job that he did, you know, grinding out what came back from LA looks pretty good, but at the same time, it's hard to, it's hard to give Pierre Dorian too much heat on this because I think that there certainly was something to be said for Ottawa taking that swing last year and trying to get him in and paying the price that it took. Listen, it didn't work out. They had to move on. They recouped the pick. It won't be as high as the one that they gave up, but um, it was sort of making the best out of a, a, a situation that didn't work. But I think what they did was worthwhile doing it, considering where the senators have been and where they're trying to get to. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, right? Because when you're in a market like Ottawa, or Winnipeg, it's not often that you are the destination for a splashy acquisition, right? Like, it's not that often that the young two-time 40-goal scorer in the prime of his career is uh, landing on your doorstep via free agency or a trade or what have you. So I think that there was some inherent value in trading for the Brinkett last year. Uh, as you mentioned, I think it kind of... Uh, ignited or was the catalyst for a new era in Ottawa... A few days later, they signed Claude Giroux. They kind of, they, they just, it was like them putting their, a flag into the ground saying, we are now shooting for the playoffs. We are willing to move assets and picks for, for win now help. Uh, so I think from that perspective, it's hard to sit here and tell you after the excitement in the marketplace last summer and into the, off, into the season that bringing the Brinkett in was a mistake because there was just a ton of buzz. Where I think that there was a problem, and Pierre Dorian addressed this on Ottawa Radio this week, Andrew, was prior to making the trade with Chicago, he asked Chicago General Manager Kyle Davidson, can we talk to Alex Debrinkit? Kyle Davidson said, no, you cannot. And that's, that's the general manager's prerogative. Um, you, you know, and I, and I, I don't blame Kyle Davidson because he's your player. If you allow somebody else to, to talk to him without your consent, that's tampering and, you know, so I think Davidson did the smart thing because if Davidson allows Ottawa to speak to Debrinket, maybe Alex Debrinket and his camp relay the information to Ottawa. Hey, uh, we're happy to come there for a year, maybe two, but unrestricted free agency in the summer of 2024 is really calling and Alex really would consider going home. So just, just be aware. They didn't have that conversation. They weren't allowed to have that conversation. So he rolled the dice. He rolled the dice. And again, he was hoping Alex would come in, score 35 goals, score 40 goals. Ottawa makes the playoffs. Maybe he falls in love with it, and away we go. It's just the chemistry didn't quite work 
uh, on the ice. He never found that perfect partner like he had with Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom in Chicago, like somebody he could se- seamlessly work with. It just, it, it just was awkward. It was just off. And so uh, it didn't materialize the way anybody envisioned, but it's hard for me to sit here and say, uh, you know, in hindsight, boy, what a mistake, because I think it, it, it reinvigorated the fan base at a time in which, con- you know, consumer c- confidence was at an all-time low in this market. Uh, you know, and I, I always, I, I'm very interested in Pierre Dorian's spot in the market. I mean, Kevin Chevel Dayoffs, uh, I, I think Chevy's had a good few weeks. Uh, I think he was taking a lot of heat beforehand. And listen, people are impatient. And I think fans, you know, fairly or unfairly, I mean, sometimes don't care about the unique challenges of being a GM in a market like Ottawa or Winnipeg. And they expect you to win and go out and do it. But with a new owner and with, I mean, where the, the Sens have been for the last few years, how um, how would you categorize Dorian's position right now as GM? Um, and is it pressure for this year in particular, or does the new owner maybe give him a little bit more rope to take this slowly, if you will? Um, that Because, I mean, they do have a lot of these young players signed for a good period of time. Yeah, it's uh, no, I think there's immense pressure on him. Uh, Andrew, if we're being honest, um, I think in in some ways he's auditioning for his own job. And and I think when Michael Landlauer gets the keys to the team, it'll be interesting to see. Does he make wholesale changes, little changes, no changes? I think all three options might be on the table depending on the um, the um, you know the timing of all of this. I think it's really interesting to me that. The timing of this, like, this is all stems from the timing of the sale of the team, right? Because, uh, Andrew, if the Ottawa Senators were sold in March or April, like a lot of people thought they would, and they, then the thing would have closed in May or June, I think it would have been an easy, natural time for Michael Andlauer to come in, put his stamp on the team, bring his own people in before the draft and free agency, and away you go. It didn't play out that way. Instead, Michael Andlauer is likely going to get the team at some point in August, maybe September, all of the moves have already been made. So it's it's going to be tricky. But I, I think there's immense pressure on this team because now you've got a new owner and you have absolutely, you have playoff aspirations and expectations of the marketplace. I would say the first 20 games or whenever you get to American Thanksgiving is going to be a, I'm not sure that there's a team in the NHL with more pressure on its shoulders in the first 20 games of the season than Ottawa. You've got a general manager and a head coach who are basically auditioning for their own jobs under a brand new owner who's going to want to have success right away. It's a recipe for a very uh, pressure-packed environment in Ottawa, as it should be. We've, we, we just watched this team miss the playoffs in six straight years. I don't think anybody wants to sit here and say, yeah, one more year of growth or let them get off to an okay start. No, it's they got to hit the ground running here. So I, I do think that he will be under immense pressure from the minute Michael Andlauer gets control of this team. Um, the other big part of the Sens, big picture, is uh, an arena. I mean, anyone that's been out yeah. there knows how far away the um, the uh, the rink is in Canada from uh, the main part of Ottawa. Um, where are things at? And is is there an expectation that there'll be a new home for Ottawa now that there's a new owner? Yes, but I, I don't think, Andrew, it's going to happen anytime soon. In, in fact, if anything, um, it's... It's interesting to me because 
of all the potential owners that were in the mix to buy Ottawa, and obviously some of them were pretty high profile, right, with Ryan Reynolds and Snoop and whatever. But if you go behind the scenes and look at the, the people that were actually in the running to buy the team, a lot of them were looking at the Senators, I think, as a real estate play, as a, okay, we can get a hockey team, but we can also, we can maybe look at this as a real estate opportunity to monetize some land value, build an arena in a in a primo spot downtown. Michael Anlauer was the one owner Andrew, that I think looked at this more through the lens of purchasing a hockey team first and an arena real estate opportunity second. And I think that's important because I think that's going to allow some time in the marketplace. There's going to be, there's not going to be a rush. You know, I I don't think we're going to hear anything in the calendar year 2023 on the Senator's new home. My, My best guess is Michael Anlauer will get six months, eight months, maybe even 12 months, get his feet wet, understand the market, acclimate himself to the city, figure out where maybe business people, real estate developers think this arena should go, find the partner that wants to do it, and away we go. But I think it'll happen, but I don't think we're going to be at a point where shovels are breaking the ground even into 2024 at any point. Uh, Ian Mendez is with us in Ottawa. Just uh, one more on the Sens, and this is a little bit more of a local question pertaining to us here in Manitoba. Got a lot of listeners down in St. Malo, Manitoba, just south of the city. How's Travis Hamannick fit in there in Ottawa? He just signed that two-year extension. It seems like he's sort of really found a home after, you know, a couple of shaky spots. Or he was great in Calgary, but not so much in Vancouver. Yeah, and you know, what's interesting, Andrew, when Ottawa traded for Travis Hamannick at the trade deadline in 2022, uh, the next three months, I heard from a lot of people in a lot of places that it either – worked alongside Travis Hamannick, played with Travis Hamannick, whatever. But in particular from Vancouver people who are like, yikes, look out. This guy's a bad apple. And I, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm interested to really kind of get to know him last season because the, last year the ro- locker rooms were back open and we had a chance to sit down. So, Andrew, I made it a point to try and create a professional relationship with Travis Hamannick, who I was told – Hates, doesn't like doing the media, will be short and curt with you, all these things. The first time I meet him, I introduce myself, sit down, try to chat. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. The guy seemed a lot more open than the scouting report said he would be. And then every couple of weeks, I go by and sit down, chat with him. And I'll tell you, by the halfway point of the season, Andrew, the doors would open that room and he would be there. And, and he would be happy to chat, not just with me, with other people. And he would be uh, just had a smile on his face. And, and and about three quarters through the season, I sat down with him and we, we had a great conversation. And he told me he finally feels like he's home. Like he didn't feel like he was home in Vancouver. There was a lot of things going on for him personally and professionally that just didn't make that the right fit. But the one thing he told me was, you know, and, and, I, and I love it when players say things like this, but he said to me, you know, my mom sent me a text. At one point this season, I think he said it was a text, or I can't remember a phone call or a text, and say, you know, you're smiling again. When I'm watching you play, you're smiling. And, you know, the way he explained that story, it was like that was his way of saying, like, I'm home. I've, I've found a home. So I think he really wanted to come back here. I think Ottawa wanted to get him on a small cap hit number, and I think they found a compromise. And that compromise is it's a two-year deal. It's for, uh, I think it's 1.1, whatever it is, 1.1, 1.2 million. And there's a no movement clause. 
So I think Hamannick came down. I, I think in an ideal world, he probably wanted something closer to two million a year. I think Ottawa wanted one year at one million. I think Ottawa gave a little bit on term. I think Ottawa gave a little bit on the no movement clause, and we've got this guy for two years. But I will say this. I believe he's come in here, Andrew. He's been the consummate pro. And I, I talked to some of his teammates, too, and they're like, we love this guy. Love this guy. He puts his body in front of uh, the, the puck, sacrifices himself. He's a well-liked guy who I think just went through a really awful stretch uh, in Vancouver for a myriad of reasons, and he's he's happy to be here in Ottawa. And I, and I think he's been nothing but an utter and consummate pro uh, here with the Senators. You know, it is great to hear, because, I mean, I, I've had nothing but great experiences with Hamannick here, and often yeah. it's been in the off-season. It has been doing some charity events that he's always been a big part of. Um, and you really got to know him back when he was with the New York Islanders and coming here early in his career. And it did seem strange as to so much of these narratives coming out of Vancouver about a guy that seemed completely contrary to anyone that worked with him in New York and a lot of people that knew him around here. And it just seems like something's different with him in Ottawa. And obviously with him signing that deal, it seems like he's very happy there. And uh, and for such a young team, a guy that has that sort of experience playing at that point on the blue line, it yeah. really does seem like a perfect fit. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, he spent a good chunk of last season kind of mentoring Jake Sanderson uh, and and I, I think a big part of that was Travis is actually a really good communicator. And I think on the ice, he's a good communicator. And I think they appreciated him kind of walking Jake through some of the, the nuances of being a pro in your first year, some of the, uh, the challenges on the ice, off the ice, whatever. They were happy that he was there to just be a sounding board. And so I think this season he'll have less of a... Um, of an impact. Like I, he won't play. I don't think he'll play top four minutes unless there's some injuries, but he's so well liked. And, and, and I think he's okay being a six guy uh, on this team this season. And I think that's where he'll fit probably playing alongside Eric Brandstrom to start the season. Yeah. Uh, Ian, this has been so much fun. Hey, just before we go, we got uh, the bombers heading into Ottawa to take on the red blacks. <laughs> yeah. Can our guy Bobby Dice get a break here? I mean, Two quarterbacks down, and Masoli, you just got to feel heartbroken for him. I mean, uh, uh, this is a, a really unfortunate start to the season. I think had a lot of promise going into it for Ottawa. Yeah, you know, I, I've had a chance over the last couple of years, and I'm not, people who know me know I'm not, a, I don't cover the CFL, I'm not a CFL guy, uh, but a couple of things. I've had a chance to kind of connect with Bob Dice on a couple of things. Like, you walk away from talking to Bob Dice, you're like, I'm cheering for that guy. Right, like you, you just you just like that guy. Yeah, he's upbeat. He's funny. He's 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 just a great communicator. Like I always felt like, man, this guy would be an awesome. Obviously, he's a coach, but like he'd be a great teacher. Like he's just he's got that that way of delivering things. So when when they decided to run back with him as the full time head coach, I thought, well, that was good because he got the interim taste last year. Things were a little bit unplugged here uh, in the La Police era. Whatever. I thought this is good. Bring him back in. And you're going to get Masoli back. And I know he wasn't ready right off the hop, but they wanted they they wanted to be uber careful with him. And I'll tell you, I was actually watching the game on Saturday night. And I don't watch every Red Blacks game, but I watched this one. And when you see a guy go down with a non-contact injury, your heart, like, it, it just, it's in your throat. But when it's the guy who last year had his knee taken out in one of the most brutal, horrific plays that I've seen on a football field... You just feel crushed. And then to see, and then you're like, wait a minute, that's the other leg. Maybe this isn't so bad. 
And then when you find out it's the Achilles, you're like, well, this is just, it's awful. And, and, and the, the, the camera shot of his family in the stands. And it's almost like the football gods, like it, it happened in Hamilton, right? Where he had so many great seasons and, and it was just like this, uh, like, are you kidding me? Like, like, oh, it, anyway, gut wrenching, uh, situation there i guess what are they gonna run are they running with the, the dustin crumb is it that uh i think so and uh, terrell pigram who everyone was all uh, hot for here in winnipeg during training camp um is now been signed so kind of an interesting story i i gotta tell you i mean the east is still i think somewhat wide open <laughs> hamilton hasn't been very good montreal is so so but you can't win without quarterbacking and uh our old pal Bob is really up against it, I think, with what's happened early on. But uh, he is a great leader of men, and uh, we'll see whether they can. Uh, they probably got their hands full against the Bombers coming up this weekend, but it is a long season. Hey, Ian, always a pleasure having you on the program. Have a great summer. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, anytime for you guys. Have a good one. And yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. Got to thank our friends at Vita Health who have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too, with barbecue season in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And, of course, they've got Guardian of Life formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to help support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are rocking this summer as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallsfences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Caniston. Um, hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer and wedding season. Are you? If you need to up your menswear game right now, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, Talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's down at 190 Smith Street. Pop down and see them in person or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's ephapparel.com. And hey, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and a special happy birthday to Nick. We had a big one yesterday along with his twin brother. Um, and I'm sure... They were crushing some of those delicious new summer blizzard flavors and maybe a blizzard cake for the big day for DQ Nick. Of course, if you do have a party coming up, you can order a custom blizzard or ice cream cake on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Otherwise, pop by and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Neverville. All right, let's keep the show rolling on. Enjoying all of your comments. I am getting somewhat ratioed about my uh, anger about this cashless society we're turning into right now. Let's bring in Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. How do you feel about this? What's the what's cash the no longer an option? 
at the arena, much like it is at the stadium right now. I know you're one of these press box guys that doesn't mingle yeah, with right. the commoners like the rest <laughs> of us. But uh, in theory, would you like to have yeah. the option to use regular Canadian currency as opposed to your bank card? Yeah, you know, like, I shouldn't answer because, like, I mean, I, I think they should just keep both options open. But, like, I understand why it's gone. Like, I haven't – I've used cash so little since, like, the pandemic, right? Because, like, just, like, how it came and then, like, mostly it's, like, grocery stores and whatever. But, like, we prefer, you know, card if you have it. And I was like, well, I usually use a card. So I don't keep a lot of cash on me. But when I went on the road this year in the U.S., right, like, if you have a little bit like, you know, they, they had no problem with it, right? So, like, it was just like, oh, you have a little bit of U.S. cash, and and that's, you know, everybody was using it. It's so funny you say it's that. Got, it's funny yeah. you say that because we were in Nashville. Right. And so, like, we each got some U.S. cash for both me and Reem on the program or just for the, for the week. And a couple places we went to were cash only. Right. And then I wanted to get a hoodie in the Preds team store, and it was card only. You can't do both, right? <laughs> or you can't do one or the other. Like if, you have to like, it has to be all together, doesn't it? Right? Like, cause if you're just going to like, it, it just makes no sense if it's not just like, if you're just going to get rid of cash, fine, do it. But you know, but it, there needs to be more options, right? Like, I mean, you can use your phone and all that stuff now, but like, the technology has got to be a little more reliable first, I think, before we just wait till just wait till they have the, the debit option on VLTs. <laughs> oh, God, jeez. I'm just That's I'm just realizing news, right? and people in chat are making me feel like I live more in the seedy underworld of this city that actually still uses cash because it's completely gone. Are well, you putting I do those fat stacks so. down on your poker game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Bar Italia. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> hey, let's uh, get to uh, obviously this is a slow time for the National Hockey League. We just had a great chat about um, but the Sens and the Jets with uh, with Ian Mendez. Yeah. Um, I will say this, and I mentioned this earlier. I think the return for Debrinkat um, makes what uh, the Jets did with Pierre Luc Dubois look pretty darn good right now. Um, but you know, obviously, development camp was a, a big success for a lot of reasons. More in the community, and right. these are talented young players. We'll see what happens in the future with them. But right now, Scott, um, you know, the Dubois trade was was big. You, you're bringing back Nemetsnikov. LB's in the fold. What do you make of uh, sort of the last month of Jets' moves and where the roster sits right now, not knowing what's going to happen with Hellebuck or with Shifley? Yeah, I mean, I think you... I uh, So the Brinkett thing to me is isolated, right? Like, to me, that's like, hey, this guy was really only going to sign probably long-term at home. And, and you know, he's from Detroit or just outside of it or whatever. So you, you wonder if, like, you know, he was kind of like... If, if they were kind of trubed into that into that deal with Ottawa, right? Like it was a little, um, I don't want to call it force, but there wasn't many other options. So you just kind of took what you could take at, at, at the time. I, I think for Shifley, it's going to be different because I think there's going to be teams out there that, I mean, obviously the money long-term is going to be a problem because I think that's just the issue. And I, I think that extends to Connor Hellebuck this summer as well, because I mean, one, you already saw the Sorokin deal, so you're like, okay, well, that's probably what Hellebuck's going to get, and it might be 250000 more to make him, you know, one of the higher-paid goalies in the league or whatever. But um, I, I, I don't know. It's just the market's not great right now. And, you know, if Boston's holding out for Elias Lindholm out of Calgary, 
Well, then, you know, what does that mean for Shifley, right? Maybe they don't get Elias Lindholm, and then you, you know, circle back to Shifley. Uh, does Carolina look into a guy like Shifley? I don't know. I mean, the problem is, like, caps are so brutal right now, and you don't want to be signing guys to one- to two-year deals, and especially with Shifley, because you don't want to just walk him to, to UFA status. So I, I just I'm, – I'm sure that if there was a, a good trade out there, like, they would have done it, and it makes what the Dubois deal, right? Like, that deal – I mean, the funniest thing I heard about that was robbed Blake, right? Like that was the, that was one of the things that they said. And I thought that was funny because like, it was a pretty good return given the parameters of, you know, what was going on. Um, and then you look at obviously the Debrinket deal and you're like, man, like Ottawa kind of, I mean, you, you got what you got, right? I mean, that's all it is. But I, I think for Shifley and, and, and Hellebuck and, you know, maybe Shove, like I'm still skeptical from of Kevin Shoveldale. Like I, I don't think, I don't think the ideal idea here is to go into the season with two lame ducks, right? I, I especially if they're if they're both unwilling to resign, that's not ideal for this Jets team. There's a lot of risk that's introduced there with you know injuries and all that. You could take them it's to the deadline like and all un- that. That's like that doesn't happen every no, year with course, every 100%. team in the league, right? But the Jets can't afford to lose these two for free, right? Like that's what I'm saying, right? Where other teams maybe get away with it i mean I, I always look at columbus and a few years ago when they didn't trade panarin well, they didn't the trade bob and it's i can I make an argument that you'll get but more at the it, deadline than if you traded those guys right the, now right but once if the jets are in a good playoff position are you and you got a really then? tough decision to make. then you have a huge exactly and so you like you almost get in your own way right by doing that and, and it just it, it just adds an element of risk right because I can see if you get to the deadline, the Jets are now second and third in the conference, or sorry, in the in the division where it's not just like a, a coin flip if they're going to make the playoffs. Then you're like, oh, I mean, like, that gate for the for the playoffs, especially if you have a good team, starts to look pretty um, pretty appealing. And, and then you're like, oh, you're, maybe you're going to play more than two games at home, and 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 you're not going to be facing you know Vegas in the first round, and 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 all that kind of stuff, right? So like that's where it becomes. It's just like, you know, it, you're, you you kick the can down the road and you hope, you know, the trade deadline opens up. Maybe you hope something opens up in September or, or December or in training camp or whatever. A guy gets injured, uh, a goalie, you know, gets injured, unfortunately. And, and, and then another team, especially a contender, goes out and makes a move for a guy like Connor Hellebuck. But it, to me, it's still risky. And, I, you know, I think Chevrolet said a lot of things about, you know, he's fine or whatever. But he also said multiple times that, the summer's long and there's still a lot of the runway left and all that. I, I do believe that they're still actively looking to move both of those guys because, because of some of the things that I'm saying. And because I just think if you're going to completely rebuild the team into a team that of guys that, you know, are all in, want to be here and all that, I don't know if you want to have the two guys that don't want to be here or aren't, or, you know, aren't um, going to, you know, don't want to sign long-term. I, you know, how, what, what does that kind of create in the room? What does that kind of create, you know, just in 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 Jets land? Okay, well, let's talk know, about as, as that. All. Let's talk so. about that because I, I listen. As far as Hellebuck goes, no issue whatsoever. If you listen, if you're gonna get, you're gonna get what you're gonna get for him, and the market's yeah. not good right now. I mean, I wouldn't suggest, and I don't think anyone is. Yeah, trade him in a bad market and get fifty cents on the dollar for either of those right. players. That that's not good for the team. Certainly not good for the general manager. Um, and going forward. And I think Hellebuck comes in. He's a goalie. They're off doing their own things. He'll make saves when he's going to play. It won't be an issue. I really do wonder, Scott, and I'll put this to you right now. Yep. How do things go if Mark Shifley's back in training camp? Blake Wheeler's gone. 
Presumably they're giving the captaincy to somebody that is not Mark Shifley. Josh Morrissey or Adam Lowry, I think, are the obvious two choices. Um, and we can't overlook what happened in the last couple months with Rick Bonus. And I have no doubt Rick Bonus will be a professional. He'll do everything he can to try to get yeah. Mark, um, you know, off to a good start and everything. But how how do you see that? How will that be problematic? I think it will, and I, I don't see it. Right? I mean, that's my. I think they do everything humanly possible to move Mark Shifley before they can, because I don't think they want to resign him long term, no matter what you know the GM says. I, I don't think that's thing. I, I think, I, I think the apple doesn't fall too far from the Blake Wheeler tree when it comes to Mark Shifley, right? And I, I think, I think we see him, but I think it goes further than that. Like, I mean, how do we not forget after Carolina when he just quit? You know, like th- those again, you, you're. So this is a team that's trying to, you know, push the future. We saw it all last week with the thing. You can't have that kind of poisoned apple around these, this team. Not that McGordy is going to be here or Barlow or any of those guys, but even some of the younger guys on the team right now or or the Ayafalos or the Gabe Velardis or whatever. Like this team, if, if, if the whole idea of the summer is to, you know, one, revamp the roster, but two, and, and probably maybe just on, on – shoulder-to-shoulder level is revamped the culture on this team. How do you bring back Mark Shifley, who, who in, in my opinion, and I think you know, I, I speak for some fans and, and, and that as well, that somebody who has, hasn't always lived up to the culture that this team, especially when they moved to Rick Bonus, that because we saw it last year in, in the beginning of training camp. It, it looked like Mark Shifley was all on board. Everything changed. But as soon as something was happening that Mark Shifley didn't want, and I remember going back to it was he moved out to the wing, right? And but I think it was Shifley, or, or was it? It might have been even been bonus. It's like, well, we'll see what Shifley wants to do, and then we'll see how he's like that. That's just not, you know, it's it. It has to be what's for best for the team, not just what's best for Mark Shifley. And I think that's the problem with bringing back Mark Shifley. There's too much of a skew towards trying to make Mark Shifley happy, and and that can be at times detrimental to the team. And and. So if that's the plan, like if, if I think you have to find a team, look for a team out there that needs a center because there's a few of them uh, and, and Boston would be one of them. But I think Elias Lindholm might be higher on their list. And I think there's a reason why Elias Lindholm is a little higher on that list because he doesn't have the kind of baggage that a Mark Shifley has. But at the same time, there's going to be teams out there that think that they, you know, whatever, this is a 42 goal guy and that's what matters. And, and they can, you know, they think they can get him to have some of his best years, you know, in a different space. But, I, you know, I, I think for Blake Wheeler, the same was for Blake Wheeler. I think just a, a mutual break and, uh, you know, a, a just scenery, you know, d- different grasses, greener on the other side, whatever you want to call it. Like, I just think they need to move on from both of those guys because of, of how they've kind of dictated the way that this team has been for the last few years. And at the end of the day, that's that's – if, if you got to go all in on this, like you, you started it and this is kind of the idea and you have like maybe no time better than now to really kind of pick other teams that you could maybe kind of work with this. So, yeah, I mean, in, in, to answer your question, I don't think they can bring Mark Shifley back. I mean, that's just the way that it is. I, I don't think, I think he's, he's very similar to Blake Wheeler and I don't think that it, it does any, any side good here um, to bring him back into the roster unless, Unless, unless you're really just trying to go for it one last year. 
But again, I, I mean, that would be insanity in my opinion. Like you, you're really trying to move this team. It's gotten a lot younger. You don't want Gabe Bellardi kind of learning from that in, in that environment because he's come from an environment with, you know, big time leaders like Drew Doughty and then, and Anze Kovatar and then guys like that, but, but you know, Phil Deneau, uh, you don't want him learning in my opinion from Mark Shifley. I mean, that's just, you know, well, and frankly, I think you so. want it. You want to have a room that welcomes those guys in 100%, and allows yeah. Velarde and allows Ayafalo to sort of maybe step up. Like people are looking at for Morrissey and Lowry yeah. and really to be the culture carriers of that. And it will be fascinating too. I mean, Listen, I, I've had enough to say about Shifley's leadership or at times lack thereof, yep. um, but he's had an A on his jersey for the last number of years. I mean, I can guarantee you if you pump true serum into the shot callers in the Winnipeg Jets and they were saying, who are your three leaders going into next season? You probably would not be one of them. No. Um, but again, if he's still here and he's had it the whole time, how do you take that away? And then what does that do going forward? Yeah. It, it, listen, there's a potential that it could be somewhat messy. The yeah. other side of it is, Scott, that, um, and again, I do have my questions on this as well, because, <laughs> I mean, listen, it's a contract year. And, and one right. of the things that came out in a number of conversations with people in Nashville, just you try to gauge their, what they're hearing about interest in Mark Part of the reason why the market is a little deflated on him, I mean, listen, his reputation's taken a little bit of a hit, and people, I think, have noticed and heard what's been coming out of Winnipeg. But the other part of it is that there is an expectation that with his new representation, they're going to be asking or expecting for a monster deal that, uh, listen, it's going to have to be earned this year. If Shifley wants anything close to what we're hearing that he wants... He's going to need to tick off all the boxes of things that he's done before and do a bunch of other things a heck of a lot better. Care about yep. the defensive end, maybe, you know, be a little bit more of a team player. I mean, I did say, hey, if you thought the guy was selfish before, what's he going to be like when, you know, his entire next contract and the last one really of his career is depending on what he does this year? There's two sides to that story. 100%. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not here to say I can tell you unequivocally it's going to be one or the other. I will say this. If Mark is back, it is going to take every single bit of experience in Rick Bonus to navigate that and to get the best for it, the player and for the team out of a situation that I think is not ideal. And that's a big part of why we've heard his name so much in trade rumors since the end of the season. Yeah, and it's just like that, that last bit that you said, just like that's the reason why you got to kind of find as, as best as you can to weigh out for Mark. Because like, what are we asking 68-year-old Rick Bone? I think he's 68 now, maybe he's still 67, whatever he is. Like you're literally asking a coach to basically babysit a player for the entire season and, and try and find new ways instead of, like it takes the focus to me off of the team entirely, right? Like it, it's like, okay, how do we integrate Mark into this lineup where – He's, we're going to get the best out of him. And, and I don't, damn, I agree. Like, this is a contract year for Mark Shifley. He doesn't really have a choice but to go out there and perform. But I think at the end of the day, you can overlook some of the whatever. If he's putting up 40, 45 goals, you know, maybe he comes close to 50, right? Like, people are just going to look at that and be like, okay, you, you know, back up the Brinks truck, right? Because, like, there's a lot about, you know, how coveted centers are, how coveted top line centers are. 
and and goal scoring is the hardest thing to do in this league. And so you've got a guy who who can potentially put up 50, right? Like, I mean, I think that's the still the ceiling, or not the ceiling, but the upside of Mark Scheifele is that that's there. But but it's just that last part to me that you said there. That's the problem, right? Like that's this is a Jets team that doesn't need to go into the season with all these kind of question marks, right? Like we've come off two seasons now with tons of questions about this team, right? Uh, about trust and respect and leadership and and accountability and and if it's the right roster or not and the players and so now you're in that uh, you know mode where you're starting to move some guys out. You bought out Blake Wheeler. You traded Pierre Luc Dubois. You're halfway home, right? But you, you still, you know, like, this isn't a thing. Like, this is like getting to the Western Conference Final, but not winning that or the Stanley Cup. Like, you got to, I think you still have to try and win the summer by moving a couple of those guys out so you don't have to worry about all the questions going into the season about lame duck status and is Mark going to, you know, figure it out and are Mark and, and, and Rick Bonus going to get along and, is Connor Hellebuck going to be the same goalie if he, you know, his head's elsewhere? Like, I, I don't think Connor Hellebuck changes at all. I, I think he's a, a consummate pro in that in that yeah, regard. No worries about Hellebuck. He'll but, be fine. Exactly. But but the the, the Shifley thing, like I just like I you you said it best. If if it has to be this, you know, if, if Rick Bonus is playing head coach and babysitter at the same time, and I get it. I mean, I get it. Coaches have to manage these things, but we know how difficult, and we've watched it with. I mean, not so much Claude Noel, but definitely with Paul Maurice, def- definitely with Dave Lowry, and, and and definitely now with Rick Bonus. And so, like, if the history wasn't there with Rick Bonus, and you had to like, if this was the, the first summer or the first season of Rick Bonus, like, I could see it a little bit more. But again, we've seen it again where Mark and, and a head coach did not see eye to eye, and it affected his play. And and at the end of the day, really, it affected the team's game because when your top line center, your best center, isn't playing his best. That's a huge problem, especially in this town. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like, if you're going to move one for sure, for sure, it's got to be Mark. And, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, you could you could be happy and you'd be like, oh, we got one really great year at the end out of Mark Scheifling and we dealt him at the deadline. Well, how much is how much work has to be done to get that out of Mark this year from, from Rick Bonus? And how much does that take away from the team? I don't know. Um, but well, it's just I mean, something I, say, that I don't I, think I, that's worth risking, right? Everyone so. knows where I'm at on this, but I will say, I mean, I can envision two scenarios on this. Like, listen, I'm I'm steadfast. Sure, yeah, I don't think yeah. it's smart. They should not consider extension. And if they can get right. a decent offer for him right now, do it. Although, as Rook of the Year says, who plays number one center if – if you're trading him right now, I mean, it really does yeah. take a big thing. And if you can get a guy that realizes, hey, you know what? Do a bunch of things where you can really buy in to what this team is doing. It will help you in the future, um, even if it's not exactly the way you want to do it. I mean, there could be some real positives. But again, then you get into the situation where you're getting so close to, like, if things really do go well, yeah. <laughs> and then well, you're at the deadline. It creates another problem, right? Like, yeah, I get it. And, but we've seen this. It's we cleaner this to in, do it now if you can. We, it is. It is. Because we saw this in Columbus, right? Like this, it's not like this happened in Columbus 20 years ago. This happened like three or four years ago where they had Artemi Panarin and Sergei Borovsky. And you're like, wow, we could go into the playoffs with these guys. And we had a chance. And then that's what they did. And I believe they won their first round series that year. And so, like, I get it. Like, But that's the first series I, Columbus had ever won. 
so like it makes some sense and like you know what it does for the community and all that kind of thing but this isn't the same with the jets right like this isn't the jets have been to the playoffs a few times they need to get further in the playoffs like the idea here isn't just to make the playoffs and 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 hope for the best like the idea is to be better than that right it's to it's to move further and and so I, I don't know. Like you, you put yourself in a really hairy position. I think in that sense, if you wait till that point, and and the Jets sometimes I feel like get in the way of themselves enough. So, you know, why 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 kind of put yourself in the situation where you either got to like you know cut off your leg or cut off your arm? Well, I'm telling you, of, the reason you know, why it's pretty out. obvious because the market's not there right now. Well, and, yeah, well, I mean, surely you or no one is saying, oh, yeah, just get rid of him for whatever. No, no, no. no I you mean, can't that, that. you can't do that. And... No, and, and then that's so right. You're probably, you know, we're probably not giving enough, well, at least I'm probably not giving enough credence, I'll speak for myself here, to the fact that, yeah, like, you can't give him away for free. Like, this isn't Vegas where you're just like, uh, you know, you can have Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing or you can have Matt Pacioretty for nothing. Like, no, like, especially for these guys, like, if, if, especially Shifley, because, you know, I think the market has cooled on goalies this summer because of what's available or what was available. Um, potentially John Gibson's still available. I, I know that whole fight with Frank and, and, and KO sports and all that, who knows, but I still think that John Gibson's of a was, but you know, I, I do think that may, okay, maybe Hellebuck, it, it, it could be different there, but I think for Mark, like there's a potential, at least there was, you know, with Boston, depending on how that goes, like, Maybe you could get Jeremy Swayman on on the back of that, and then you have, you know, your kind of tandem going forward, plus potentially your 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 franchise goalie also going forward, and, and that sort of thing. So, like, I think the Mark would uh, the best return, but you know, obviously that Debrinket trade kind of threw some cold water on that as well because you kind of look at okay, I mean, another guy that scored forty, yeah. younger, We're exactly right, you younger, know, exactly, um, and probably and isn't going to make as much as probably Shifley was going and, to, and so, only signed yeah. a four-year deal as well. I mean, right. dream scenario um, for the Hellebuck side of things is they realize that there's no way he's getting what he deserves on yeah, a seven or eight-year deal, deal yeah. and, you know, does nine, five for two or for three years. Yeah, and then I at agree. some point you can trade him during that as you get ready, but you get a little bit more. Scotty, great stuff, man. Always love having you on the program. Take it easy and we'll do this again soon. Yep, sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right, folks. We've got a very special guest coming up on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the uh, bulldozer of the Bombers, Brady Oliveira. Just before we bring in Brady, though, a big thanks to our sponsors, including Princess Auto. Big thanks to our friends over at Princess Auto. Looking forward to the uh, next Bomber home game and another Princess Auto tailgate party starting two hours before kickoff with $5 beers, $3.50 pop, and hot dogs and great entertainment. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. A big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Spicy, Joe, the gang down there. The leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. We've also got other great options for your property, including amazing hot tubs and awesome outdoor kitchens. Not to mention, they are the experts and leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and check them out and check out the new Consolidated Supply Showroom open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East or find out more online at cte.ca 
NFL season's just around the corner. All that new merch is coming into Royal Sports as well. Of course, you know they've got the best selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Blue Bombers gear, all the new Seabears hats as well, and soccer merch from around the globe. Also, Toronto Blue Jays and every NFL team represented over at Royal Sports. And it's not just great merch. Take advantage and make the most of your summer with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Pop down and see it for yourself, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, where's the best place to get together with friends for the big game? You know it. It's always your local Boston pizza. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, including the new Korean barbecue chicken sandwich. And hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And don't forget, folks, Gold Eyes are back. A six-game series with Cleburne all the way up from Texas begins tonight. You can get out there and check out Gold Eyes baseball over the course of this week, but make a point of circling July 26th on the calendar and join us for our Winnipeg Sports Talk night. Great response so far. We've had to hold more tickets, but that's a good problem to have. Order yours now. 15 bucks. They include a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie while supplies last. We've got some great Gold Eyes raffle prizes as well, which will be given away. Get to winnipegsportstalk.com. Order your tickets today and join us July 26th at the ballpark. But in the meantime, get on out there for one of these six games this week, beginning tonight at Shaw Park. All right, good stuff. Don't forget tonight, retro night at the ballpark for the Gold Eyes. Get there early. I think they're giving away those fanny packs, wearing those sweet 30th anniversary jerseys they did in the 94 season. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. And again, head to winnipegsportstalk.com. Get your tickets two weeks today. Doing the big Winnipeg Sports Talk group night. Tons of people have already counted themselves in. We'd love to see you there. Uh, let's move on to the Bombers in Ottawa, Saturday afternoon. And the CFL's leading rusher, Brady Oliveira, joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Brady, what's going on? Great to have you back on the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me back on. It's been a while. Yeah, no doubt. Well, listen, we've been enjoying watching what you and the squad have been doing. Man, that was a... Uh, that was a... A vintage bomber second half, and I got to tell you, I'm not sure whether there's been a longer drive than nine minutes and 37 seconds um, over the last four or five years, but that to me was vintage bomber football, and it looked like you and the O-line were having a hell of a lot of fun as you uh, put that game to bed. Take us back to uh, the second half in that fourth quarter and uh, how you guys took over that football game. Yeah, you uh, you took the words right out of my mouth right there. It was a whole lot of fun, uh, you know. Just you know, that's our identity, you know, around this team, around this offense is you know, our bread and butter. Let's run the ball. Let's get the big guys up front going. And uh, you know, like we we're saying, you know, once those guys up front are going, you know, this this offense as a whole is really on. You know, they're on fire when they can get you know guys moving up front, move the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, allow me to get to the second level and do what I do. So. Um, it, it was good. I mean, that game, you know, last week's game kind of started off a little bit slow for us in the run game, but uh, I think, you know, we, we stuck to it. We trusted the run game, knowing that it eventually will, will, will open up. And I always say, I mean, if we play the way that we play, which is, you know, smart, tough, physical football, emphasizing on the physical part of it, 
we do that for four quarters, you know, a defense isn't going to want to play that type of football for four quarters. They're not going to want to tackle a running back that's running physical for four quarters. And I think you saw that in the Calgary game, you know, Calgary did a great job for the first, you know, three quarters and even a little bit to the fourth. And then we really just, you know, stuck to it and, and took over in the fourth and, and played our style of football. But, um, the offensive line is doing an amazing job right now. Our receivers, you know, are coming in and, and doing the dirty work. You know, receivers in this league are, you know, taught to run and, and catch the football. And this offense, you know, you got to be willing to block and to you know, lay your body in the line. And our receiver, Wally, Rasheed, Damsky, I mean, our receivers go in there and do that and allow me to, you know, get to the second level and to do what I do. So total team effort uh, in the run game. And, and obviously there, there's going to be weeks where, you know, the run game might be a little off and we expect, you know, our receivers to go up and make big plays. So total team effort. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned the receivers because I was going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, Rashid Bailey's a favorite of ours. I mean, he's so much fun to talk to. I mean, he, he, I think he might be the most intense individual I've ever met in my life. I mean, like 24 seven. I mean, he is no doubt. he's always on man, but he, um, uh, he may be like to, to your point about the receivers. I think he epitomizes the selflessness of the players that have become part of this championship squad, the way he leans into dudes in the running game and and i mean listen you know you can see how guys react to the different tasks that they're given by the coaching staff and uh he in particular but i mean not to single him out because a lot of the guys that you just mentioned are getting into it they know that they are a big part of running the football even if it's not going to show up in their stat package at the end of the game 100 percent. i think you said the word of you know our guys being selfless and showing that on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, you know, everyone in this sport is going to have an ego. We need you to have an ego. We need you to think that when you get the ball, you're going to score or you're going to make a big play every time you get the ball. But it needs to come a time where, you know, this is a team sport. You got to put that ego to the side and be selfless. And it's hard sometimes, especially at this level, when you want to get the production and, and the touches. And I'm, you know, very blessed to be in the position to get the amount of touches I do get in the game. You look at a receiver, you know, in our offense, you know, the blocking, the the running that we do in this offense, you know, our receivers are, you know, they go in there and, and they block. And like you said, not to just, you know, point, just to look at one particular receiver in our offense that does such a good job of it, you know, because like I said, Wally, Dembski, Dalton, like the list goes on. All of our receivers, you know, if you want to be a receiver in this offense, you got to block. But man, Rashid Bailey, like that dude is so selfless. He wants the ball, of course, but even if he doesn't get the ball, he is in there doing the dirty work. And it really, you know, allows me to, you know, it's like I have an extra, an extra big boy in there that's willing to go in there and and to block for me. And it's, yeah, we're able to do a lot. We're able to scheme a lot of things around Sheed, knowing that, you know, we have a receiver like that, that's willing to go in there and block and, and, and not even just willing. He does such a good job at it now. Like he is a total vet when it comes to the run game blocking. He understands the bigger picture and having a guy like that, where it's just not like, okay, that's your guy, go block him. It's like, okay, well, if your guy now switches or moves, like you need to know who do you go to next. And Rashid understands that he's, he's a vet. He's been playing this game for a very long time. So in the run game, I mean, it, it, it helps, you know, us big time, but me personally, big time, you know, I was actually in the off season, when Sheed was going through all of his contract talks and 
we're so, so lucky and fortunate to have him back. He's such a big part of this team, but uh, you know, I, I needed him back, you know, personally, this team needed him, but I needed him because he does such a good job in the run game and the success that I has, I have is a big part of Rashid allowing me to get to the second level, also the offensive line, but he, he just allows me to get to that next level and take that next step breaking those longer runs because he just does such a good job in the run game. And it makes me want to play harder when I got selfless teammates that are going to put themselves first or put, put, you know what I mean? Like they, they do such a good job. So um, yeah, this whole, this whole locker room is amazing, but obviously we spent so much time as an offense together and everyone is so selfless. And I think that's the best word to use to describe this, this offense is we're selfless. At the end of the day, we just want to win football games. However we can get it done. We just want to win. Hey, uh, what's uh, what's it like in the huddle in the fourth quarter when you've picked up a couple first downs running the football? You know what the story is. Just keep the ball and keep moving the chains. And the plays keep coming in, and Buck keeps calling another run. What are the alignments saying in that huddle right now before you get back out there to snap it? Man, it it's fun. We... Uh... I think it just fires us up, you know, when we, when we have another run play called, especially the runs that, you know, have been working and, and some of our bread and butter, our favorite runs that, you know, I'm not going to say what our favorite runs are, but you know, in the huddle, we know, we know what runs we want to get called. And when they get called, we just get, we're fired up, but actually I got to, you know, say a little story from last game in the huddle, in that fourth quarter, one, the plays are coming in. So like you said, Buck keeps calling, you know, run after run after run. And of course, you know, they're feeding me and, getting into a groove. So I remember my hands being on my knees and I'm just bending over. We're about to get into the huddle. Zach's running into the huddle to, to call the play. And Zach, it's like, Brady, are you good? Like, want a breather? And I remember getting up and looking right at Zach. I'm like, Zach, you cannot take me out of this huddle. Like, I will not leave this huddle. You can, you're going to have to drag me out of this huddle before I go take a breather. So um yeah when i'm locked in i don't i don't care if it's if it's five carries if it's 10 carries in a row even 10 blocks in a row whatever it is i'm gonna i owe it to my teammates i owe it to my teammates to go out there and honor them every single play battle my battle my behind off and play for them and and go get w's every single week for them so make sure you, you know i think when you're in a huddle like that and you care for one another so deeply we all love each other, man. Like we're all brothers. And I think when you have that relationship, you know, when I'm tired in that moment, it could be very easily to, yeah, go, Hey, I need, I need a breather. But I look to the guy next to me. I see Wally in there that you know, I love that dude to death. I'm like, man, I can't leave. I got to stay in this huddle and I got to go get another first down and we got to seal this game off. Right. So um, no, this has been, this is a definitely a special huddle to be a part of and special offense because yeah, it makes it makes me want to play harder, man. The big boys up front certainly seem to enjoy it as well, kind of exhibiting. And like we talk, we've talked before. I mean, football as complicated as so many of the plays are, and the strategies, and the amount of hours that the coaches spend game planning. This game is won and lost on the line of scrimmage. And if you look at this last five year period for the Bombers being, you know, a championship caliber team, it really has started on the line of scrimmage, on both sides, and Willie J and Jackson on the defensive side and the offensive line. And I mean, that was, I think, a reminder to everyone in the rest of the Canadian Football League that um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are still a problem for uh, the rest of the league. That being said, it was only a couple of weeks ago that um, 
listen, you guys have certainly deserved an off night. I mean, you've set the bar so high. Um, but I have to ask you, what was it like in the locker room and in the days following that loss to BC where, uh, I mean, for the first time in five years, you lost to a Western opponent. And, uh, and I mean, credit to BC. They came in and played their asses off and uh, certainly deserved to win that football game. Yeah, I mean, look, we got, we got whooped. You know, they, they made more plays than us. Um, yeah, I, I I personally do think it, it was for sure a one-off. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to see that happen again. Um, you know, it's almost like we're glad that it happened, maybe not as early as it did in the season. Um, but I think you look at even, you know, last year and the year before that, there's always been, you know, a game where, you know, we've kind of been maybe a little bit lackadaisical and, and kind of get caught slipping. Um, but I think it's good. I think it, I think it humbles you. We need to remind ourselves every single week that, you know, to stay humble because you can get beat any given day, you know, especially in this league, um, you know, not a lot of teams in this league and, you know, you can get beat any week. So, yeah, I think it's the the main message was obviously, you know, don't take your opponent lightly and to don't to not ever get outworked again, because I think you saw that in the BC game. We we got outworked. on the line of, we're just talking about the line of scrimmage and that, you know, these games are one on the line of scrimmage. And I think, you know, BC dominated us, you know, um, they did a good job on all three phases and we got outworked. We're a team that takes pride in, in, in the process and working hard and embracing the grind. And I think we just kind of, you know, maybe took a little step back, almost like we were expecting to win every single game. And we need to still give, you know, credit to our opponents because like I said, you can get beat any given day. But yeah, I think it was a good. It was a good reminder that you know you can lose any given week, and you got to stay humble, and you got to just not get outworked. So, um, like I said, that's a one-off from this group. You know, I don't see that happening ever again this season. Um, but yeah, we just got to make sure now we just continue to stay consistent and keep on you know getting to this level instead of being like this. You know, start fast and continue to find ways to keep improving every single week and and to get on you know the incline level instead of just like a roller coaster. Uh, the, uh, and I mean, listen, we know the, uh, as I said, the bar's been set so high um, by this team um, and by everyone in the locker room that, you know, when you have a game like that, that I'm sure it, it makes everybody kind of look in the mirror as to what they can do better. And um, certainly we saw, uh, you know, real strong performance, especially on the def- defense. I mean, the way the defense bounced back in the following game, holding, the opponents to three points and then, um, you know, really not giving up anything in the second half speaks well. I mean, how what sort of level of confidence does it give your offensive group when you see the Blue Bomber defense playing at the level that it does quite often did, for instance, in that fourth quarter, well, second half against Calgary? Man, they're, I guess, like, they've been on fire, but when they're on, like, they, you know, we, we know as an offense that, you know, when, when they're on the field that they're going to get us the, back, the ball back pretty quickly. So just to stay ready, you never know if it's first down, second down, like, you know, you know, okay, second down, you know, after that, you know, a punt, get ready. But for us, it's like, you know, get ready when the defense is on the field, like have your helmet close by because we might be heading on there. So you know, Willie with Jackson back now, I think Jackson's such a, just such a terror on that D line. I mean, he, Willie's one thing, one problem, but I think when you have Jackson out there too, I mean, he's a problem. Biggie in the middle, 
BA having, you know, a great season. Demari Houston with like six turnovers right now on the, on the season. I mean, our defense is playing lights out right now. And, and um, yeah, it, I think it, the, what it gives us as an offense being on the sidelines is that, you know, they're going to, they're going to have our back. If we, you know, make a mistake, you know, everyone's going to make mistakes, but you know, when we do as an offense, you know, they're going to have our back. They're going to get us the ball back to go out there and to execute and to go get points on the board. So knowing that, you know, we have a defense like that um, and knowing that we're never going to be on the sidelines for that, that long is a good feeling. You know, and, and, and just as you know, you mentioned Houston, I mean, the season he's having is, you know, making big, big plays like in the fourth quarter, and I got to ask you about Greg McRae. I mean, you talk about a guy that came in and did everything in many different ways to help your team win a football game. I mean, that wheel route that he took to the house to tie the game up at the end of the second half. But I mean, the play of the week in the Canadian Football League was that return on the missed field goal, 102 yards. I mean, for the guys that are sitting there ready to get on the field, putting your helmet on, ready to get out there, what's it like watching a teammate make a play like that? Often it's Janarian Grant. This time it was Greg uh, Greg stepping up. Dude, that guy is a beast. And I've been saying this, you know, probably not openly in the public because no one's really been talking about Greg like that, but I've been saying to people how much of a guy he is. Like, that that dude is a stud. Like, as a football him as a human being is another thing. Like that dude is like such a good person. Like first off, which is why I love him so much. Like he's such a good guy, but as a football player, man, he's a stud. And it's almost like he's been our diamond in the rough this whole time. Like last year, you know, it's almost like we were hiding him almost like, okay. Like you saw little, you know, glimpses of Greg. Oh, who's this? What's this guy all about? And then, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that he's, you know, he's getting his opportunity now and, and showing what he can do. But Oh, man, that he, he's a stud. And I think for me also why I enjoy having him out there is because I think he compliments me so well. You know, you can have, first off, he can play multiple positions as a receiver. He can play running back. He can return. So right there, him have a weapon like that is very useful. You know, Buck Pierce probably loves that as offensive coordinator. No, you can just like plug a guy in anywhere. But me being a running back and playing the way that I do, you know, it's almost like he's, you know, I'm thunder. He's lightning, and he he compliments me so well. When we're both in there, it's like chaos for the defense. We, we don't know who's getting the ball. You don't know who's doing what. Um, when he's in there, he really you know throws off the defense. They're expecting you know they've been expecting power runs this whole game, and now he goes in there and it just it throws the defense off. So I think I think it's good. I think it'll allow us to do you know more things in this offense. Um, having a guy like that, that's like a Swiss, another Swiss army, Swiss army knife. We got Dembski like that. We got Greg. It's, it's a good problem to have. Now we just got to continue to find ways to, you know, elevate his game and find ways to get him the ball. And yeah, he's, uh, he's going to have a, a very good career in this league. And I just couldn't be happier just because I've seen all the work that he's put in, you know, him being on PR, you know, pretty much all last year and him knowing what his worth is and, and knowing what he can pr- do on the football field. And he's showing that now. So just couldn't be happier for the guy. Brady Oliveira, the Bombers, the CFL's leading rusher with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Speaking of being the leading rusher, 400 down, many more to go this season, but uh, it's good news for the kids at Variety. I know you're particularly excited about that because uh, every yard is uh, some money for a Variety Club. Absolutely, yes. Uh, 
Variety, I partnered up with Variety to do something pretty cool with them this year. It's called Hometown Champion. So I'm their hometown champion this year. And every yard that I gain this year, either rushing or receiving, um, $10 goes to the kids at Variety. So um, the sponsor is actually Monopoly Realty. So, you know, they're going to have to be paying some big bucks this year because I, I expect to continue to get lots of yards every game. And hopefully by the end of the year, we're able to you know, you know, have a lot of money raised and, and all that money going back to the kids. And Variety does, you know, so many amazing things with, you know, children living with disabilities. And, and the fact that I can, you know, put my name behind that and partner with such an amazing charity like that. And and now I do lots of other things. You know, the other, the other day on our off day, I was actually helping kids uh, ride a bike for the first time. Um, they're, they have a, a bike camp called I Can Bike. And uh, I spent my afternoon helping kids trying to yeah learn a bike, and they do the camp for the whole week. And the goal is at the end of the week they take off their like training wheels they call them, and uh, they can ride a bike for the first time by themselves. So um, I'm able to do lots of cool things now with variety and, and people that know me in the community. I, I love giving back, whether that's with the rescue work or or with kids or whatever the case is. I just I feel like this is my calling. Football is one thing, but I feel like my biggest passion in this life is to impact others and to you know to be go out there and do good things so yeah variety club is uh is awesome and we hope to you know get me to i don't want to really speak on it but i'll say it now because well, i want it for the kids hopefully to get to another thousand yards you know that's ten thousand dollars for the kids so we got to get to that this year well and then add in a few more receiving as well to keep that's talking right. it up you know, I, I have to say, I mean, obviously what you've done on the field is impressive and it's extra special, you know, having a kid, you're a man yourself, you know, that grew up here um, and is now starring for the Blue Bombers. But it is, um, it, it's just phenomenal the way you embrace your role, but also the opportunity to make a difference in other areas of the community. And I think a lot of people knew um, plenty about what you've done you know, with dog rescues and, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, your animal passions. Um, but it's just another really great thing that I think speaks to the place of the bombers in this community and um, how, you know, the impacts that are made way beyond game day by a number of, uh, of people. Speaking of the dogs, um, I know it's a little busier right now for you with, uh, you know, um, you know, in the middle of the season. Um, but I, I, and I'm not sure whether this was something that you put out or something else that I saw on social media, but I do understand like the, the need for people to, uh, adopt these orphan dogs is, uh, is at a real high right now and almost a crucial area. You want to just quickly speak on that? I know it's one of your passions and, uh, obviously if we can help one dog Absolutely. get saved, uh, it's, uh, it's worthwhile talking about it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people understand the extent of, you know, how many animals are truly out there and, and how many dogs, dogs or cats are needing homes. You know, I'll put it into, per, into perspective. Um, this was two weeks ago. We had, you know, a longer week. We had a couple of days off. And on one of my off days, I went to one of the northern communities and I did a poll. We went out there and we handed out dog food to the community members, medication, tick and flea. Um, whatever it was. And then dogs that were needing to brought, be brought in into our care, I was, you know, getting them surrendered and bringing them back to Winnipeg. So uh, long, story sh long story short, we brought back 40 animals, cats and dogs, in just one afternoon of being in the community and not even really thoroughly searching for dogs. We were more so there on a wellness check to make sure it was a hot day to make sure dogs got fresh food and water out, proper shelter, you know, things like that. And... <laughs> 
after an audit and searching, we came back with 40 animals. So now we bring those 40 animals back to Winnipeg into our foster care. Now we need a rescue to take on those animals to now find their forever home and getting adopted. So you think about it, the average person is probably only adopting one pet. So that's 40, 40 households that need to come together and to adopt those animals. And if people don't, if people stop adopting these pets, it's like, well, we now I can't go to these communities and to, you know, bring in dogs that truly need to be brought in that need our care. So, yeah, I think the importance of, you know, opening your home, if you have the space, you know, to a dog, I think, or, or a cat, whatever it is, um, will change your life. You'll find, you know, you'll, you'll find your, a special bond with that dog. And uh, yeah, I think it's good. You, you're doing something good. You're, you're, you're finding a great companion, but you're also, you know, giving that dog the life that it deserves rather than going. And, you know, I'll always be for, you know, adopting dogs rather than going to a breeder and, and, and buying a dog, because I think, especially in this city and province, there's a need, so many animals that need to be adopted. So there's no need to go and buy a dog when you can just adopt. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it's, uh, it's really cool to see what you're doing off the field. And, uh, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what you and the boys will have uh, for us on Saturday afternoon in the nation's Absolutely. capital. Uh, keep on, uh, keep on, on doing what you're doing. Uh, congratulations on a great win. Great start to the season. And, uh, Here's to five on one on Saturday afternoon. Good luck to you and your teammates. And thanks for jumping on again, Brady. It's always great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Good stuff. There is Brady Oliveira. Three o'clock game time for the Bombers and Ottawa coming up on uh, Saturday. And, um, you know, Bombers with, uh, you know, still yet to have their bye, uh, but can get to five and one. With a uh, with a win, uh, we'll talk a little bit more with Remus in a second about uh, the plight of the Ottawa Red Blacks and a former CFL quarterback that's a little more available today than he was um, earlier this week. Just before we do that, a big thanks to more of our sponsors here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What a great weekend at uh, Folk Fest over the last few days. I know Little Brown Jug was a big supporter and sponsor of Folk Fest, and a lot of people uh, out there enjoyed the Folk Fest lager. You can pick that up still right now throughout the summer at Little Brown Jug, along with 1919 and Generic Lager, both of which will be available at the ballpark coming up for Winnipeg Sports Talk Night and throughout the year. And, of course, 1919 is available at the stadium, IG Field, as well as they're now official partners with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Don't forget, Saturdays at Little Brown Jug on the patio, What's Golden is back coming up. They've teamed up with Shorty's Pizza, new food, new DJs every Saturday, noon until sunset. Great summer programming at Little Brown Jug. Find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, follow them on Instagram and Twitter for uh, the latest events coming up down at LBJ. Speaking of events, I cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge coming up um, next month. Always my favorite three or four days of the year. If you are looking for an amazing corporate outing or friends and family trip where you can have a a world-class fly-in fishing experience and be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more about the one-of-a-kind Aikens experience online at AikensLake.ca or hit our pal Pitt to rent up at Aikens Lake on Twitter for more information. Limited availability left this season, and they're already booking in to 2024. And, uh, hey, we're uh, just a couple weeks away from the Open Championship. This week, though, many of the stars of the PGA Tour heading out to the Scottish Open 
And of course, we'll do our golf reports once the tournament begins for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Course is absolutely mint right now. If you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family on a golf course, one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, make it breezy. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezybend.ca about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season. All right, great stuff with uh, Brady Oliveira. And uh, hey, a big shout out to SK. Thank you very much for that super chat. SK dropped in a $50 donation and said, please send some of this 50 bucks to Brady for the animal rescue of his choice. Thanks, SK. Thank you very much. And uh, Remo, I think we're going to have to send that to uh, Canine Advocates of, uh, I believe it's of Manitoba. We'll find out yes. exactly the one. But I know that is the uh, the group that Brady has done such amazing work off the field for uh, in the midst of uh, continuing to carry the rock for the blue and gold. Yeah, Canine Advocates Manitoba. That's the letter K. And the number nine, I know Brady's involved with them, so uh, we'll send some SK's uh, super chat over over to them. So thank you very much, SK. I know SK has always, um, he's got a soft spot for animals, and uh, he's a big supporter of Brady. And I know SK, I think when he was in the, what, the Tournament of Champions, he said he wanted to sell his bomber tickets uh, and give it, or give it, or donate them to uh, an animal uh, charity when he awesome. was in the tournament of champions there and Doug Phil with the message, uh, spay and neuter your pets. Y'all that's uh, a, a great bit, but uh, anyways, just an awesome chat with uh, a chat with Brady and what a season uh, that he's having. Uh, he's having right now. Um, all right. We are going to uh, get ready for the track tonight. Another great night. And don't forget, as I say, big night at the ballpark. If you're looking for somewhere to go, you got a Cinnaboy downs out on the West side and retro night for the gold eyes and they had a nice win last night great way to start the uh great way to start this uh six gamer against the uh against cleburne i believe the cleburne railroaders and don't forget if you tune in a little late winnipegsportstalk.com get your tickets for wst night would love to see and meet you all at the ballpark two weeks today uh, great response so far, and uh, certainly we've got room for more, so hopefully make that happen. Yeah, Reem, cool bet lines. Uh, pretty light night when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to the uh, what you can put a sprinkle on. We do have some Wimbledon matchups to get to. Uh, tomorrow, early, Novak Djokovic taking on uh, Sinner. Joker, a minus 556 favorite. And uh, Alcaraz, the number one seed versus Daniil Medvedev. Alcaraz, minus 263. On the women's side of things, two unseeded players. Eva Svitolina against Vondrasova. Uh, Svitolina just beat uh, the number one seed, Agus Fiatek. And wouldn't it be amazing? Uh, her, a Ukrainian getting to the Wimbledon final. I think there'll be a lot of people here pulling for her. Plus 118. And then uh, Sabalenka, the favorite at minus 167 in the other one as well. And let's take a quick look at what's going on in the CFL. The uh, Ticats, three-point favorites against the Elks tomorrow. Friday's game is the Argos and Alouettes, the Argos, who have looked great so far this year, a five-point road favorite in Montreal. Bombers have settled as nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Red Blacks. 
The Red Blacks have major quarterback issues. And then you've got the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, minus one and a half against Calgary. Um, interesting news, Remo. Maybe you want to touch on this. MBT officially released from the USFL, which opens up NFL and CFL opportunities for the former Grey Cup champ. Yeah, that was the talk yesterday with John Hodge uh, about you know the Ottawa possibly bringing in McLeod Bethel Thompson. Well, after the show, it was announced that he was released from the USFL. He is a free agent. Uh, he was with the New Orleans Breakers to be closer with his family, and he you know he gave up a, a big check hus from the CFL to join the USFL. And then you have to wonder one if he would be interested in coming back. Again, citing family reasons why going down and taking a significant pay cut. So I'm not sure if that's something has that he would necessarily be interested in McLeod Bethel Thompson, but Ottawa needs a quarterback pretty bad. And he has played in the league. And, you know, I don't, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, not funny, but you just think about uh, the quarterback tandem that beat the Bombers. In the Grey Cup last year, you kind of get mad because it was pretty clear the Bombers were the best team throughout the entire season, except for that uh, that final game. But this is why it's uh, what revenge season this year for the Bombers. And again, back to McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't think he's coming back, but uh, it's something for us to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, listen, it would be be great for Ottawa. They could get a legitimate starting QB like that. I mean, we'll see what happens with Crom on the weekend and. Uh, Pigrome, who's now been signed by Ottawa, maybe he gets an opportunity to do that. Um, but I feel for I feel for Bobby Dice. Like we talked with Ian Mendez. I mean, to lose your top two quarterbacks in the first four or five weeks of the season, a hell of a tough way to start your uh, first opportunity as a head coach. Um, just before we finish the cool bet lines, we had a big lock shop today. Coming off my 50-1 to 1 winner last week in Sepp Straka, we hit the Scottish Open, and we hit the Barbasol. Check out today's Lock Shop. If you want to go on YouTube, at Lock Shop Bet, subscribe over there as well. You can get all the picks from myself, Dusty, and Pat Gregoire. Um, our guy, Aaron Cockrell, playing on this side of the pond, normally a member of the DP Tour. Aaron is in the Barbasol Championship. Um now, Aaron's number to win the tournament is 65 to 1. Uh, I did place a little top 10 on Aaron at plus 650, but I also called Pat. I said, Pat, can you please get our guy, Aaron Cockrell, added to the make the cut options? And there he is. So I will be backing Aaron to play the weekend, minus 133, right at the bottom there. If you do want to put a little sprinkle on uh, Manitoban Aaron Cockrell playing over on the Barbasol Championship. And, of course, you can get Scottish Open, Barbasol odds. It's all there over at CoolBet. And use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, all right, it's time to get to the track. I know there's some people in the chat that are going to be heading out there tonight. Uh, actually heating up, Remus, after an ice-cold start to the season. I've had a nice winner. Ones uh, both of the last two days and have actually ended up up on my bets, which certainly was uh, a rarity in the first month of the season. Yeah, and I'm kind of slowing down. A lot of my picks lately, Hus, have been, uh, you know, I've kind of been breaking even here. I haven't been winning. You know, I was winning early on, but 
the last like couple weeks it's been rough. I'm just treading water here. So I'm hoping to get back in the green here tonight, uh, Wednesday, the last day of live racing for the week. And shout out to, uh, I think it was Kev, was it Kevin? Someone in chat has said they're going tonight for a work function. They're going to the buffet and they're making sure they do not eat for the whole day so they oh, can be smart. ready. So they can be ready. Veteran move by whoever that is. I forget. I forget if it was Kevin or well, not. You will, you will. That's exactly what you should do. Um, the, uh, what Darren would said, it was that AAA Angus beef, top 5% in North America. They're getting it at Assiniboia Downs. I'm getting hungry just thinking about that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I plan on taking my parents there next week. so We might have to plan, yeah. Well, and, and we'll do what we will. We're going to do the baseball game at the end of this month, and uh, maybe mid-August we'll plan mm -hmm. a uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk night to get people out, whether well, we do the buffet or just uh, get everyone out there in the grandstands and uh, have some fun. But uh, uh, Well, you and I should great. have a WST meeting there one evening, I think. Great idea. Great I think we idea. need to have. I think we need to have a have meeting. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly in for that. Um, all right, Reem, why don't you start? I still, I don't have all of my picks in right now. I've got one, two, three so far, but I still have to make a couple more as we as we get through it. Sure. Let me bring up my picks here. Uh, let me see. Okay, race two. I am on Pucker. The win, Pucker, like it. One with Pucker, eh? Yeah. Gold Special seems to be the heavy favorite in that one. Pucker's got a decent win percentage, fifteen point seven percent, eight to one odds. I like the odds on Pucker. The program selection. I wonder, do you think it's better to bet on races with a smaller field than some of these bigger ones? I always, I'm always confused uh, as to which. I mean. So I mean, obviously, just by math, you've got a better chance of winning. But at the same True. time, I think, you know, most of the... Like, put it this way, if you pick a winner in a bigger race, you're probably going to win more than you would in a smaller race. I mean, it's just a, essentially a math equation, right? That is true. I don't know. I'm always... Sometimes I like doing the trifectas in the smaller races but for, like, an easy win. But, yeah, I guess you're not going to win. Like, what do you win when you win, right? <laughs> Well, speaking of what do you win when you win? Yeah. Private Frank, this is the biggest favorite I've seen all year. Which race? Race number three. Private Frank is one to two. Yeah, you never see Won that. its last three races. I love my life. Yeah, man. I'm not even going to touch this race. It just seems like it's so lopsided and one. You could lose it, but if you win, it's going to be one of those like pays two twenty on a two dollar bet. Not worth it. Yeah. Hold on. You got anything uh, on race four? I I'm on race uh race two. I'm on race five, nothing on four. You want you have something on four? I mean yeah, I'm gonna drop a uh a win bet on uh Diva esque horse number one. Uh opening line of three to one, although this is I think a pretty pretty wide open diva esque like Terrell like Owens or what do you think of when you think I diva like the name <laughs> what do you do you um, think of anyone uh, well to would be right up there that's for sure yeah um okay race five I am taking I'm looking forward to this one Reem 
I'm making two bets on the same horse. Okay. Hat Shepsut. Yeah, I've seen that horse. Who we've seen before. It is the longest shot in the field at 30 to 1. I'm putting a $5 bet on them to place, and I'm going to put a $2 bet on them to win. At 30 to 1. At 30 to 1. At 30 to 1. With zero win percentage. Never won a race. Well, it won in its two races ago. Again, at the end of last year, it finished first in a six furlong race. Is this like the horse that had Tommy John surgeries coming back and like no one knows uh, that, about that's it? That's a the great draft? question. That is a great question. I'm not sure. But, anyways, again, I'm swinging for the fences. I've had a couple of longer shots lately mm-hmm. that have actually come through. And then my other one is. Uh, let me just get the transactions up here. Race six, $2 exacta both ways, two and four. Lucky Chucky and Blazing Bo. Shout out to Bo Bichette. Yeah. Looked great. Brought his mom to the All-Star game too. Okay, I have Blazing Bo to win. I like Blazing Bo too. And then in race five, I have a triactor. Not quite a triactor box. I have, I'm doing two triactors. Trifectas, Danzig, Starstorm. I think that's Glenn Danzig. Reference to win in both with uh, one and six. Sparkling Silver and Silver Creek Lady. Go with the du- the dual silver combo there. Huss uh, finished second and third in either one with Danzig uh, to win. So it's a three dollar, two three dollar triactors. There, maybe I can pull one of those off. And I got one more in race seven. Yeah, what are you taking in race seven? I'm taking Freudian Sip to win. <laughs> Excellent. I'm actually with you on that. What about I, Herbie? Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm taking as part of a uh, triactor box. We'll go with the favorite drum and bass, Freudian Sip. And uh, hmm, do I go with Aknas or do what? I go with Diamond Digger? And we're off Otani the horse. Otani, we've discovered Otani yeah. the horse, not as good as Otani the ball player. Definitely. Not. Actually, I'm going to go towards the light. So one, four, <laughs> seven. You're okay, though. I know you were sick. You just said you were going to go towards the light. Just want to make sure. Yeah, I know, towards the light. I mean, <laughs> the horse towards the light. Yeah, race number one, horse number yeah. one. Um, uh, hey, we got a big show tomorrow. It's actually going to be real fun. Uh, Marat's coming on. Um, Brandon Rewicki is coming on. So we'll have plenty of off-season hockey talk. And uh, Remo, one of our favorites, who's getting a lot of FaceTime on TSN lately, Marshall Ferguson. Dusty's sort of our guy in the East, and Marsh is becoming our... Or sorry, Dusty's our guy in the West. Marsh is becoming the guy in the East. Yeah, well, the Bombers are heading East to play against Ottawa. I'm sure Marsh has seen all of them. I did see, you know, he's been busy with all the broadcasts, so I'm pumped to have Marshall on those... A lot about, uh, you know, Canadian Football League strategy and around the league. So I think that'll be a fun chat there with uh, TSN underscore Marsh on Twitter. By the way, shout out to Bailey. And Bailey, we trust Bailey with her breaking news mm-hmm. uh, bits in the chat. Uh, Jesper Bokvist, one-way deal with the Bruins, 775000 this is bargain time in the NHL right now, Reem. Brendan Lemieux signed for 800K with the Canes yesterday. Yeah. 
There's been some uh, ELC signed as well from this year's draft class. Nate Danielson uh, signing with the Red Wings, his ELC. And second overall pick, Leo Carlson signing his ELC with the Ducks. Uh, along with the ELC contracts, Huss, we do have a retirement to announce. Thomas a retirement Gr- to announce? Yeah, Thomas Grice. His 14-year career ends. Do wow. you know what team he was on last year? Last year, Thomas Grice. I'm going to say the Sharks? No. Uh, Detroit? He, uh, he was on Detroit two years ago. Last year, he was on St. Louis. St. Louis. Played 21 games. Had a 8.96 save percentage. Seven and how ten many, record. This is a little mini puck doku. Mini puck. How do- many games? How many teams can we name that Thomas Grice played I have it for? Open. He did play with the Sharks. He started his career with the Sharks. Yeah. So yeah, Sharks. I thought he went back there again. And did he play for Detroit? He did. Uh, he played two seasons with Detroit. Okay, let's see. Um, played for the Islanders. He did play for the Islanders. That's correct. How Just many more teams? Two more teams. He did not play two. a lot of games with them, but he one Just season. Very, very minimal. This is good trivia here. Yeah, this is. This I is, don't think this I is, would get this. This is Puck Doku practice is what it is yes. right now. Um, Habs? No. You want one more guess? One more guess. I will guess the the Bruins? No. Even Ooh, okay. 13, Who are the four, other two? In 13-14, he played 25 games with the Phoenix Coyotes. Ooh, I have no that. recollection of this. 2014-15, he played 20 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then he spent a lot of time with the Islanders. Yeah, Islanders was the one that I uh, certainly remembered as the uh, the main part. Yeah. He played quite well there for a bit. He La was bon solid, voyage, yeah, man. Thomas Grace. Man, in 18-19, has 43 games. It was 23-14-2. 9-2-7 save percentage, Thomas Grace. That's pretty good. 228 goals against. That was his best year. Is that Barry? I I would have to think Barry Trotz played a part in that. Uh, in that. Hey, uh, before you go, uh, why don't you pull up today's puck doku? Do you, sure. Do you want the first puck doku or or the second? Well, there, actually, there were two. You know what? There, there was. This was. There was some controversy today, folks. Explain this. I did. I did not see it early enough to get the one that had the Jets. Uh, so if you don't know. Puck Doku. It's at puckdoku.com. It's the hockey trivia game where you try to match the, you know, there's two axes. They have teams on them. And you try to match the player that played for each of them, or they have a stat category. And you have to figure out the player for that team that uh, collected that stat that year. So we've been saying that they didn't have the Jets. And this is my completed one, Hus. I went for the um, low, and it gives you the best part is it gives you the percentage of people who picked. That player. So, do you want me to reveal? So, this one, this more, this one, this morning had. Bring it up. Here, this is what it was. So, here it is. It had Ducks, Sharks, fifty assists in a season, and then Canucks, Hurricanes, Jets. And the reason why they had to do a new one is because people see Jets and they think that Jets one So you have Jets, Ducks. Everyone's putting in Solani, and it's not counting. And people got pissed off and emailed Puck Doku and said, hey, what the hell, guys? And they had to reset it and do a, do a new game. Um, 
And this is why the NHL records Which are sucks. just the Jets are got not going to be in, included anymore ever. Well, they're in, under this. the Coyotes. They're they're under Coyotes. When the Coyotes come up, then you can use Jets 1.0. But isn't that just so confusing that Ilya Kovalchuk is the rookie uh, goal scoring leader, a rookie record holder for the Winnipeg Jets, and not Timu Solani? That is just so so confusing. Also, the NHL needs to stop this. The reader, the users of Puktoku also confused. I don't know why they don't adjust the record book. So I knew it was Thrashers with the Jets. So 50 assists in a single, single season with the Jets. I picked Mark Savard, 2%. I was pretty pumped. Yeah, but you know what? For a guy that complains so much about Thrashers records, mm-hmm. why you picked Mark Savard over a Jet 2.0, or, well, for I'm instance, tr- Matt, Danny Heatley over, for instance, someone like Matthew Perot. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's, to be know, fair, need, I did you it. You need to pick a side. To be fair, I did it um, before, and I used maybe more popular picks. Like, it's Carolina Sharks. Like, obviously, like, Brent Burns is the is popular. It was, like, 70% pick Brent Burns. Or Carolina Anaheim, I think 45% had Freddie Anderson. But I did it again. I was like, okay, let's try to pick... You know, Leaders. lesser than not popular. And so I was like, well, who's not going to... No one's going to have Mark Savard as 50 assists with the Jets. So I'm trying to get the lowest rarity score, Huss. I'm all about the low rarity. I'm not going to go with the chalk pick, like Henrik Sedin for 50 assists in a single season. That's easy, but no, no. There's a lot of, I guess, young kids playing this game, and nobody knows about Alex McGillney, and only 1% uh, had him with the Canucks getting 50 assists in a season. Yeah, and for people wondering about Whitney, well, Pronger for sure. Um, obviously, the Hartford Whalers are part of the Carolina Hurricanes, so that was how we got Yeah, it. I picked... Nice work with Brendan Morrison. Yeah, 100%. I had um, my first one I picked, like Kessler. No, I picked Bieksa and Kessler. Those are the easy ones. And I was like, oh, Brendan Morrison. And I'm in a chat group with some friends. And the Sharks... Canucks one, I I had trouble with. I could only think of Steve Bernier and someone else had like Christian Erhoff. Uh, Igor Larionov you could use as well. Um, there's some other ones. But yeah, it's always the older players are low percentage. Yeah, that was the... Uh... Uh, anyways, this is neat. I'll... Uh... I'm I'm really disappointed though you didn't put in Matthew Perot because I'd love to see which headshot they used for him. Oh, I took We've a always done that fun thing about the different Perot headshots over the years. Yeah, I did use Perot. Was it long-haired Frenchie or was it? Uh... It was short hair. It was with his headshot from the Habs. They had twenty-nine oh, okay. percent had Perot. A recent one. Uh, well, there you go, folks. You can try it. That's that one's not up anymore. We won't spoil the new one. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it, during these t- times, you can always lean on Puck Doku for a little fun trivia session at the uh, the end of a program. It was actually funny. I was in a group chat and someone said, oh, I wanted to use Oleg Tverdovsky and Chad Kilger for Jets Ducks and I couldn't do it because, you know, it's not Jets 1.0. I'm like, hey, you could have could still used them for Carolina Ducks. They both play for <laughs> Carolina <laughs> and the Ducks. Good point as well. All right, fun show today. Uh, again, I uh, I would like the option to use cash. I don't know. Maybe I'm a I'm a minority apparently. Although looking at the poll, Remus, thirty nine percent agreed with me, and thirty percent were indifferent. Yeah, I'm going to take that as a win. Despite I think it s- looked s- like I was getting ratioed in the chat. Sounds to me like we're just taking advantage to give it to me. 
Sounds to me like 61% of people didn't give didn't agree with you. <laughs> or 69% did. I don't uh mm, I guess. Like if you take the 30 out of 70, it was 39 to 21. As they get, say. We're we're getting too will many. Anyone, will anyone take my money, please? Can I spend this anywhere? <laughs> no, I will say someone's like you you know, someone mentioned paper tickets. We are mad that they got away paper tickets. My my souvenir binders of paper tickets obsolete. All I now have is my Apple wallet with like eighty expired things that will go away eventually if I ever switch phones. You know what? It's funny. Like I go down to Kansas City and uh, my friends have season tickets and they still get a beautiful package at the start mm -hmm. of every year with really nice hard tickets that make great souvenirs. If you want to send them to someone else, you can send them digitally. It's no problem. But uh, I mean, listen, I get it. Teams are trying to save money, trying to cut costs or whatever. But uh, I've always thought that the expenditure of the season ticket is such a big purchase that giving people just something that doesn't exist in reality. I, I don't know. I sold those things for so long. People really like getting the tickets. I, I guess it's different right now. And that, that ship has sailed. I will granted that. That being said, there has to be a place in society for cold, hard cash. No Apparently money's dead not at our arena or our stadium. It's dead. You can't, you know, how dirty money is dead. You know how dirty First money is? First radio is dead, now money is dead. Yeah, television, dead. Linear television, dead. Um, but you know one thing that's also dead is uh, wearing your own team's jersey at the MLB All-Star Game. A lot of people mad online yesterday, Huss, about the jerseys yesterday. They're terrible. They were terrible. They're also, like, sublimated logos on. Like, have a nice, like, sewn jersey. Like, I used to like the American National jerseys, like, 1999. But those ones yesterday... Sucked, and I'll be honest, I was never a huge fan of wearing, like, your own jersey in the All-Star game. I think there are pictures of, like, the 70s where the uniforms were more colorful than they are now, and it did look cool, oh, but yeah. I didn't, I I didn't love that as a kid. Yesterday of them. I thought it was weird. Um, I thought it was weird that they didn't wear, like, because, hey. like, hockey always had great All-Star jerseys. I was like, well, why doesn't baseball? They just, like, wear their regular jerseys. That's, that's dumb, but I guess it doesn't, you don't need to wear, you know, baseball is a sport, Huss. Or you can wear whatever clothes you want, and you know what who's on what team. Um, T Kona, Pauly, <laughs> chat, Huss, cash is live in T Kona. Bring it down. It's funny you say that. When we were there for your big festival, the High Neighbor Festival, a few weeks ago, we were in one of the bars, and I'm pretty sure it was cash only. Um, and Dairy Whip was always cash only too. I went there after the Marion on Saturday. They've now gotten with the times. You can use debit there, but I'm sure they prefer cash. What a world we live in. Someone, finding someone to take a couple 20s is tough these days. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Uh, and Brad Batters, does WST accept cash? Good question. <laughs> like, we, we don't have a physical store. Like, where are you going to give it to us? So we're, like... we're big on customer service, though. We will make, we'll make that work. We are making it work for less. Yeah. Who doesn't have a phone for his digital ticket. So we're going to have a hard ticket. Gold eyes are great about that, by the way. And uh, we'll have a ticket waiting for you, Les, for the game on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. That, yeah. There's people did reach out. And I think people put in the notes to like accommodations for uh, if you need accessible seating. 
uh, we'll, we'll make all that happen. So uh, that's actually kind of nice on our uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com store that, uh, you know, there is a note. So we have seen notes from people and uh, we'll do our best to accommodate everyone. And we're looking forward to that Gold Eyes night. Uh, a lot of tickets being sold so far. Pretty awesome. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's been a great, great um, response. And uh, as I say, come one, come all. Um, we're going to be down that left field line. We'll have a bunch of tickets. I have a feeling there'll be a large portion of us that kind of post up in Craft Beer Corner and spend time there. Uh, but anyways, it's going to be great. So if you just find it out, go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Two weeks today ballpark game we might even send out some special invites to some of our regulars and get them to join us as well huge thanks to brady Oliveira for jumping on with us today scott billick ian mendez tomorrow rewiki marat and marshall ferguson we'll talk some bombers jets and much much more as uh baseball gets back at it wimbledon semis and uh, and much more thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show happen each and every day and thanks to all of you for making us a part of yours. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. live on YouTube on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.